Mutation. It is the key to our evolution. It has enabled us to evolve from a single-celled organism into the dominant species on the planet. This process is slow, normally taking thousands and thousands of years. But every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward. to another edition of Spotlight. I'm sounding annoyed as this is the third <laughs> time I've tried to record this intro. Today we're doing Spotlight at the movies. This is the segment of the show, if you haven't listened to us before, uh, where we talk about a film that involved a member of Star Trek alumni. Either they were starring the film or they were involved behind the camera, one of the two. Today, we are joined by two very special guests who have been wanting to get on the podcast for quite some time. But before I get to them, I'm going to introduce my usual co-host, Matt Brothers. Hello, everybody. But we are not joined by Paul Wilson today, uh, the third member of the Spotlight team. He's come down with some mutant virus. It's a little experiment gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, he just oh, reached no. puberty. He might, turn in, he might have turned into a puddle by now, we're not sure. Um, yeah, I mean, as regular listeners will know, Paul is having a baby. So it's simply... Well, it's not Paul having a baby, is it? Wow. <laughs> we're all involved. We're all involved. Oh, yeah, we're, yeah. we're, all involved. Oh, yeah, we're, we're having this baby as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it takes a village, it's baby it. too. <laughs> um, but he, sometimes he can be here. Sometimes he can't. We miss him very much. Uh, we look forward. All right, people. We look forward to any good return. But Paul went in, back to his home planet. <laughs> in the meantime. Uh, we are joined by Daryl and Jeanette. Hello. From the Hello. Sudden Double Deep podcast. How you yes. doing, Daryl? Jeanette, can you tell us a bit about your podcast and who you are? Yeah. Do you, do you want to go ahead and describe the podcast? I or? mean, I gestured to you, but well, I totally okay. can. Um, well, we are Sudden Double Deep. We're the Triple Bill title podcast. So our podcast is all about taking three films linked by a word in the title. And uh, and yeah, we, we watch them, we critique them, we make fun of them. Uh, we see if there's any links within the films uh, and within, you know, our whole Sudden Double Deep universe as well. Sometimes we'll come up with links there as well. Yeah, some very fun triple bills. Yeah, involved. yeah, yeah. I think I came on board around the kid episode. Oh, yes, wow. You which did. was the kid, Chaplin, Turbo Kid, uh, 80s violent throwback, which is fantastic. Yes. And. The Karate Kid. The Karate Kid. Yeah. Yeah, so quite a wide range just yes. in that episode. Like. We try and do three different genres uh, from three different time periods. So we'll all sort of, yeah, we try and get as many different uh, different movies in there as possible. 
so yeah and we don't always do like the the latest movies as well we always do, like we do try and do like older ones or ones people haven't heard of or um world cinema all that kind of stuff so yeah we, we tend to have hey, one of our first episodes we did the cabin fever remake that was <laughs> a mistake <laughs> <laughs> and it's we... been expanding a lot recently as well hasn't it with extra episodes and yes. more different focus yeah we went weekly um which is yeah that was that was about a year ago yeah so mm-hmm. so quite a lot of, of extra episodes but we've also got a patreon now as well where you can like we talk about um on sudden double deep cuts which is our uh patreon episodes where we talk about soundtracks and um and yeah uh themes scores, scores. all that kind of stuff and they've been a lot of fun as well so, yeah, yeah your your work ethic just blows us away <laughs> like i think last time i saw you, you said you just got back off recording eight hours of yeah. podcasting and we were just like whoa, whoa, we get one done we need to lie down like, it sounds like a living hell to be honest like, uh, but I mean the thing that always impresses me is the fact that you listen to your episodes you cannot fucking tell you're always full of enthusiasm oh that's verb, nice to hear some of the hangovers I know you've had whilst <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you cover very very well I mean yeah I mean I'd just like to say Sun Dog Deep amazing podcast um, anyone who listens to us on the regs, go and listen to Sun Double Deep as well. Uh, Thank it's you. a brilliant, brilliant film podcast. This isn't the first time we've teamed up either, right? I know. It's really crazy because um, we got to know you guys, uh, I don't know, about almost a year ago now, about 10 months sure. ago, something like that. And like, yeah, we've been wanting to get you on the podcast for so long. I mean, annoyingly, today, even today, we haven't got the full Sun Double Deep lineup. Uh, we're missing. And we've ben. not got the full spotlight. Yeah, we've got either. exactly. It's two and two, <laughs> so we're missing Paul. You're missing Ben. But I mean, to be honest, as far as I'm concerned, this is going to be the first of many. As of you course. know, we, we, we've got a few different things we want to do with you guys down the line on the show. So yeah, no, it's it's going to be fun, definitely. Uh, today we're here to talk about X Men, uh, the 2000 adaptation of the Marvel comic. Um, the Star Trek link here is Patrick Stewart, or Sir Patrick Stewart, who plays Professor Xavier. Of course, he's the big, he's the big link with this one. As uh, as regular, quite listeners. the biggest link. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. As regular listeners will know, um, with Spotlight of the movies, you have to have been kind of integral to the Star Trek franchise for us to cover a film that you're involved with. So, obviously, a franchise is huge as Trek. Um, you, you could essentially find links to pretty much every film ever made, probably. <laughs> um, so we try and keep it to like you know, if mm. you made a significant contribution to Star Trek, then we'll cover other films you've been involved in as well. And who has made more significant <laughs> contribution to Star Trek than Sir Patrick Stewart, about to return to the franchise in Picard? Yeah, and there are two other uh, links. I don't know there if you know. There are other links. Ooh, Do you ooh, ooh. know the ones I'm thinking of? Uh, well, there's Rebecca Romain. How do you Romain? Yeah. Is it? Yep, like Rebecca Romain, who is now number one mm-hmm. in Star Trek Discovery as Mystique. Yep. Um, and there is also there. I then there's a few almost. Yes, there's ones. Uh, Famic Janssen had her debut in a next gen episode. Oh really? No, I didn't which, know. That's which, not one of them. I only one. looked up like the other the other, not long ago, like the other early this morning. And it's an episode from season five. And just judging from the photos of it on IMDb, there's fo- there's shots of her being given away at a wedding by Picard. So it's interesting to see Xavier and Jean Grey side Aww. by side in Star Trek. Oh, uh, so that makes sense. Yeah, well, I want Sorry, director oh, Brian Singer. Oh. Cameos huh? in Star Trek Nemesis. 
Oh, Star Trek. Ah, oh, well, the, the worst Star Trek film. <laughs> no wonder ruined by the presence of non-singer. Um, there's also John Logan did a rewrite on this, who also oh, okay. wrote fucking Star Trek Nemesis. Oh, he's Nemesis. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, also Jerry Ryan, original choice to play Mystique, oh. who plays Seven Nine I in Star Trek Forge. Yeah. yeah, of course you can. Well, it's because well, it's pretty obvious what it is. Uh, yeah, I don't think they were hiring Previous her. of being in a onesie, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's it. It's literally... You, I mean, that is pure... Because it's 2000, so Voyager has still been on. Mm-hmm. And in fact, 7 and 9 was introduced at the beginning of season 4. So I think that is like... That would have been the hot been, ticket casting. It basically yeah. when they were casting. So they would literally have gone, oh my God... Look at that woman with an amazing body in a onesie in Star Trek Voyager. Why don't we hire her? So we can to, paint her. But paint her and show off her amazing body yeah. as a sneak. We'll go one her. more, less like, clothes, yeah, more blue yeah, paint. Yeah. That's what they were thinking. So yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised that um I, I guess think... that's like the naughty's equivalent of like the hot TV casting as well, of like yeah. now yeah, nowadays yeah. it's all the Game of Thrones and Stranger Things people. And back then I guess if she was making up a storm in the Jennifer Voyager. Garner as a lecturer in Daredevil. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, very mm. much. Um, so, let's talk first Star Trek credentials, just to rewind a little bit, because this is something we do with all new guests. We find out what Star Trek they've seen, what haven't they seen, what's your history of the show, your first experience with it. Daryl? Yeah, well, okay. Um, I watched a fair bit of Next Generation when it was on like BBC Two back in the 90s. Um Recently, in the last few years, I've kind of delved back onto Netflix with the original series. I got halfway through season two <laughs> and kind of fell off the map a little bit, I must say. But we've watched all of Discovery together, haven't we? Yeah, and uh, the, all the new films. All the, as I've well. seen all the films. Um, yeah, yeah. We've, we've both seen all of the uh, all of the films. We I'm covered quite a big Undiscovered fan. Country, right? You did, yeah. Country episode yeah. with No Country for Old Men and God's Own Country. Yes. Which is <laughs> yes. an interesting that mix. Was a, yeah, that was an interesting mix. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've seen all the films. I'm a really big fan of the, the, the new films. Mm. Um, yes. I think they're great. Um, I kind of had a lot of... I, I have never turned on the telly and deliberately watched an episode of Star Trek. <laughs> but what used to happen is I would be... I'd either have friends over or I'd have boyfriends who were really into Trek or friends that were really into Trek. So I would be around their houses and they would be like, oh, it's Star Trek time. And and I would watch... Party's over. Shut down the music. It's Trek time. time, baby. It's Trek time. Yeah, how, how did these guys get you as their girlfriend? <laughs> It's like, hey, boo, it's Star Trek time. I had really low self esteem. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, like, I had a lot of friends who loved Star Trek, and and they would, like, they would tell me all of the, oh, well, this is such and such, and they're the captain of this and this, and then that's related to this and that and that. So, like, I just kind of, uh, through osmosis, Mm, I just kind of absorbed a lot of Trek information. Um, My favorite has always been Spock. Like, Spock has always been a through thread of awesome throughout the whole thing. I always just thought he was the coolest. Um, so, like, as an icon, like, I've always just loved the original Spock. But, but yeah, the Zachary Quinto is also pretty cool as well. Um, so, yeah, just, just Trek has always been in the background of my life. It's mm. one, It's been one of those TV shows that you always kind of, as soon as you see it, you know exactly what it is. It's so identifiable. So it doesn't matter what series you're watching. It's like, oh, this is this is Trek, right? Yeah. Like, you always know it's Trek. Any, uh, um, any complete blind spots 
Um, the one, um, <laughs> yes, the one with the really bad theme tune that was Enterprise. Yeah, Enterprise. that one. I haven't it's seen. Been a long time. <laughs> I didn't see any of those. Um, it I... grows on you, though. Okay, okay. Like a enough. cancer, <laughs> it'll kill you one day. Like a tumor. Um, yeah. So that's the only one I don't think I've seen a single episode of. All of the rest of them, I think I've seen at least one or two episodes, if not more. Like I've always, yeah, I, I'm just dipping and out of it. Um, yeah, it's it's just always been there. It's just always been around, and it's like, yeah. So you just end up kind of knowing who everybody mm. is, and you know, it's uh, it 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 is great Star Trek. It's it's one of those things where you do look at it and you go, okay, so you're campy and silly and ridiculous, but I really dig this. It's it's great. Um, so yeah, the 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 new films I'm kind of the biggest fan of. I wanted more of them, but obviously they've been shelved. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like they're going to happen no, now. No, I don't think so, which is a real shame because they had some really cool new characters which I thought would be interesting to develop on. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's going to happen now. So Well, we might shame. have that Quentin Tarantino thing happening one day. I mean, perhaps. possibly. Yeah. Um, still talking he about says it. It's, he yeah. says it's still happening, so, you know... I, I would be interested to see it, certainly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just going to be lots of, like, alien ladies' feet. <laughs> yeah. 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 Alien ladies with lots of feet. Green feet. Nice. Oh, my God, yeah. They're <laughs> like centipedes. He's yeah, like, this yeah, is yeah. what my career's been building to. Now I can have all the feet I want. <laughs> all the barefoot aliens that a man could ask for. He's like, so here's my pitch. They land on the planet, no shoes anywhere. <laughs> Where are you going? And they've all got beautiful feet. <laughs> Hear me out. Like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I just don't know if he's the right director for it, but it's an interesting, it's like an interesting idea. Like, I think I'd definitely if like to see it. If it's at the point it. where it seems like it is, where the franchise is dead movie-wise, mm. yeah. then they can do a lot worse than just throwing a grenade and being like, you know what, Tarantino. Yeah. yeah. And seeing what happens, because they've got, they've got it sorted on TV for a long while now. Yeah, and they mm. can start at any point in the universe as well it doesn't have to be characters we know it doesn't have to be ships that we know oh, apparently like, it's literally it's the tos guys right well right? they've talked about that but i don't think but i think he's said he wouldn't be using the kind of kelvin verse oh, okay. cast which i think makes sense in terms of it's tarantino yeah he can get anyone he wants yeah. like in apart from uma Thurman, probably now uh, you know, it's like he can he can get anyone. So kind of, why would he go? It, you know, no, absolutely no disrespect to the cast of the Kelvinverse films because they're all excellent. Um, but in terms of star wattage, mm. he could trade them in for someone really big. Also, he might want to go because they're still in that kind of younger mode. He might want to go older. Sure. Then, you know, we were talking. I mean, literally, he could have Brad Pitt as Kirk. Oh, I was going to say, it could be oh Shatner's like, celebrating return. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Shatner back in the lead. Well, to be fair, Tarantino is exactly the kind of person who would. Yeah. Hire who would work Shatner. with Shatner, yeah. And who, for I sure. would go like and give him a role. This is the guy who kind of, you know, for a long time had a reputation of kind of reviving careers, like John Travolta in Pop Fiction. Yeah. Is it Robert Forrester in Foster, Jackie yeah. Brown? Yeah. And he could easily Don Johnson, do, in yeah, Django Pam Greer in Don Jackie Johnson Brown, yeah. as Kirk. Oh. Oh, oh my god, I am sold. <laughs> now, on to X Men. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now seeing the beginnings of another stage of human evolution. 
truth is that mutants are very real, and they are among us. We must know who they are, and above all, what they can do. I love what you think about all of us. Who are you people? What kind of place is this? Charles Xavier. I built this school where mutants could learn to focus their powers in a positive way. And also learn that mankind was not evil, just uninformed. You'll be safe here from Magneto, a very powerful mutant who believes that a war is brewing between mutants and the rest of humanity. There is a war coming. Be sure you're on the right side. The year 2000. Directed by Mr. Brian Nonsinger. Yes, as he will now the be year 2000, bad. the Backstreet Boys were number one in the charts. Um, what is our history of this film? We've all seen it before, number one. Yes. yes. Okay, and when did you first see it? Did you see it in cinema? I think I did, yes. I think me and a group of friends went to see it. I didn't know much about the X-Men apart from the cartoon at mm. this point um and i think i'd read some of the comics but i was never really into it like i hadn't i hadn't read a lot of the comics i just like read a couple of them and i thought they were kind of cool um but yeah like mostly cartoon um but yeah i remember everyone being super super excited about it because mm. it was such a new fresh thing like superhero movies weren't really a big deal at this point so this was this was a whole new big deal down yeah, absolutely. I This was the summer before I started working as a projectionist um, in my hometown. Um, and I was, yeah, I was, I was in my final year of sixth form and I got a hooky uh, VHS of it before it came out in the cinema over here. And uh, it was a fucking terrible cammed <laughs> copy bought off of a market stall. And this I, will teach you for being involved well, in piracy. Yeah, yeah. You, you wouldn't steal, steal a car. You wouldn't steal a car. No. You wouldn't steal someone's grandma. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't steal a child. Um, and yeah, no, I, I, I watched that. I was like, this is brilliant. I can't wait to actually see this at the cinema. And I had to, yeah, hike it all the way to, because there was no cinema in our hometown back then. I had to hike it all the way across 10 miles down the road to the nearest cinema and caught it on the big screen and was like, oh, holy shit, this is a thing. This is like a thing thing. Like, you know... It well, was a big deal. Yeah, like, well, we had 79, you had Superman. 89, you had Batman. And 2000, you had X-Men, which was just like the starting pistol for what we now have, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. Yeah, it fucking blew me away. It really did. Oh, Matt, do you see it in cinema? I did. And it's weird. I, I don't really have a specific memory of it, but I do remember having seen it in cinema because... In the pre-letterbox days, I had a tiny, weird bit of paper. Filofax. Filofax. It was like it was kind of like a Filofaxy document thing that my mum started when I was like born, and she wow. wrote in every film I'd seen in the cinema, and then I took Jesus. it over. So, and wow. I remember, I can remember in my head the X Men entry because for whatever reason I wrote it really big. Maybe it's the point at which I took over. I don't know, but I remember it just being X Men. <laughs> so I did see this in the cinema. Can't remember it. But then I do specifically remember missing X2 because I was in college at the time and I remember being in a history lesson and some kids being in and being like, oh, I saw X-Men 2 last night, it's really great. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I've got to catch that. I don't think I did until DVD. Didn't see X2 at the cinema? No, it's weird. 
Mate. The fact that your mum has kept a review of every every film you've seen. I, is... I I kept that thing up until about 2014. That's possibly the most durable thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that's like... how I... That's, <laughs> but it's weird because you look at it and it's like, for the first sort of 10 years of my life, it's like one, maybe two films a year from when I was like five onwards. And then obviously it starts to increase wow. and now it's just like way too many. That's amazing. <laughs> That's such a good idea. I've never thought of that before. I don't know where that thing is now. I've got to find it. You better. Because <laughs> that's how I know it. that Snow White re-release and DuckTales the movie were my first films in the cinema ever. Oh my ever. God. Yeah. That's fantastic. So yeah, I was abnormally excited for this film. <laughs> abnormally. Because I, I was a huge comic book nerd. Like, was? Yeah, well, still am. Yeah, still very much am. Like... And had been since an early age, so I was all about the X Men, and this was so hugely exciting. As someone could look, just <laughs> to say, you don't remember the dark days of two thousand, where there hadn't been a fucking comic book movie in like three years or whatever. Like, <laughs> like you know, people say there's too many comic book movies now. Oh, go back to nineteen ninety eight, mate. Like, you know, I mean, that's the, that's all these guys who scream about there being too many comic movies. That's their perfect time. Because no one was pitching a comic book movie yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. in 1998. Uh, Batman and Robin uh, basically destroyed the genre uh, single-handedly. Um, you know, because it was so... I mean, the weird thing is, Batman and Robin was not even a financial disaster or no. anything. It wasn't. It just... It was one of those people that was, like, so derided <laughs> that... Somehow it managed to kill off the genre, even though it's very rare that Hollywood take notice Mm. of anything Mm. that isn't monetary based. Yeah. But in this case, there just seemed to be effects of going like, oh, we're not going to get away with this again. If we make another comic book movie now, people are going to just make the same year as Steel as well, right? Steel is 97. Spawn is 97, which was also a disaster. Yeah. But like two black led. Superhero films right yes. there with Steel and Spawn. Yeah, is yeah, there yeah, one yeah. more from 97 to make them the four horsemen of the comic book apocalypse? <laughs> like, Where was Blade? Blade is 98. Blade is 98. That's about the, probably the only Because that one movie. kind of made Hollywood kind of go, oh, we can do this. Mm. Because that was like that actually changed people's minds quite a lot about yeah, the comic yeah, book yeah, movie yeah, genre. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was one of the first uh, properly successful comic book movies. I mean like they got the rights for, for Blade from, from Marvel for I think it's $25,000 yeah. for the full rights which meant that Marvel after the fact earned nothing out of the film the film went on to make crazy millions and did yeah. very well with all these sequels and Marvel got nothing out this is back in the days when Marvel were like selling their they, office filing for bankruptcy yeah. Yeah. yeah they're literally selling things like filing cabinets and light fittings out of the office because they were like you know <laughs> they were broke totally mm. broke so broke so yeah they, they sold you know they sold Blade for 50p. Basically, yeah. <laughs> and then, but that's yeah, a D-list, ca- D-list character that went on to make like, you know, A-list bucks. Yeah. And then, like, the whole, this is when the whole idea of, like, you know, X-Men, which is, like, you know, besides Fantastic Four, is like the, 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 they say the Fantastic Four is the first family of Marvel, but I would, you know, you know, like. Well, I mean, it, what, the, what the first family is in. The... As it, well, they were literally the first big Marvel Oh, okay. I thought you meant like the first family, like the president. That'd be, yeah, that, that would be my argument. You know, one is the actual first and the, like, you know, X-Men is like, that's, that's the real, that's the big that's daddy the, right They're there. the that's big the, dogs, yeah, I'd say yeah, so. Yeah, that's the Rothschild family right there. Yeah, yeah. To sure. be fair, I prefer Mr. Fantastic to Trump. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't so we any all? version. Don't yeah. we all? President Fantastic. <laughs> Fuck it, <laughs> President <laughs> the Thing. Like yeah. President Thing would be fine too. Yeah. I'm so fine with that. As a comic fan coming in to this X Men movie, yeah. were you annoyed that they weren't doing Yellow Spandex? How mm, we how aware of you of what they were doing uh, in adaptation? No, not hugely, because the thing is, right, this is in a time where it's weird because I think now, in retrospect, you can look back at it and go, "Oh, actually, maybe that was a mistake for them not to do the actual costumes." However, at the time, it felt like anything to run away from the idea of what Batman and Robin yeah. represented so. in terms of this kind of day glow kind of like camp silliness and you know if they were to get people to take comic book movies seriously again they had to really lean in as far as they could to making it not comic booky, basically. Yeah, never gimp cool. suits. Yeah, 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 sure. yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. It's just, you know, level was in, guys. <laughs> like, like, yeah, see, these days... Level bars are a big deal. These days you'd get, you know, Twitter outcry and petitions, whereas back then yeah. they just go, let's just throw in a line where they reference it and be done yeah. with it. Well, no also, cares. back then, let's remember, in 2000, the internet was not what it is <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. It turns out, like, there was, like, no one in Hollywood was taking notice of a couple of nerds on the internet. You basically... Like, you had Harry Knowles, and that was the internet. Yeah, that, for that was it. Yeah. it. It was Harry Knowles. It was Cool News was the only thing Hollywood had heard of in terms of geek culture yeah. of the internet that they actually kind of seemed to take any notice of. And with like X, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if because I remember there was a thing about I think Cool News posted like a really awful review of Batman and Robin when it came out, and it was actually that was seen as quite a big shift in terms of the power of the internet and stuff. They thought so, they could basically feed the fanboys any old shit and mm. they'd be the sated. And actually, it turns out that, you know, people weren't overly happy with that film. <laughs> well, I know there was a while where Harry Knowles and his kind of crew were being very much kind of treated like gods by Hollywood. And they were kind of brought onto sets and kind of given yeah. all expenses, paid trips and stuff like that to kind of try and get support for the film. So I wouldn't be surprised if something like that went down with X-Men. But yeah, no, I was incredibly excited for this just because... I thought, oh, this is the chance for us not only see the X-Men on screen, which were, at the time, um, by far the biggest comic book property in the world. They were always number one of, like, the Diamond sales chart, um, which is, like, the comic book sales charts. And it's weird now, really, to think of a time where the X-Men were, like, the biggest superheroes in the world. Because now, actually, in comparison to the Marvel Universe and stuff like that, they, <laughs> the MCU... Uh, the X-Men are kind of not anywhere near as successful. Yeah. We're on the, like, on the verge of... Uh, uh, fuck, what's it called? See, I don't even Avengers Endgame? No, 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 the X-Men film. Oh, X-Men Dark, Dark Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, we're on the verge of that coming out. And all anyone's talking about is, you know, Endgame and Spider-Man and where yes. the MCU goes. Yeah, like, yeah, no one gives a shit about Dark Phoenix in no. comparison to yeah. those films now. Yeah. Which is such an odd flip because it was always this thing of marvel had sold off all of their biggest characters like the x-men and like how are they going to start their own universe they've just got all these kind of c-list characters and somehow they've taken that and you know turned into absolute gold uh well meanwhile the x-men films which were once seen as successful uh now if you compare their box office with what the mcu has done it's absolutely insane i think what i think what they tried to do is they tried to reboot it like not once but twice like with the same characters we've all seen the same iterations of the same characters like rebooted uh i think it's 
three times now. Like we've had three Jean Greys, haven't we? We've got three mistakes. We've got like, so you've got two beasts. You've got like, cause you've got the Days of Future Past ones and you've got the original ones and you've got the, the new ones on top of that. So it's just like, will you please just come up with something new or fuck off? Like well, that's nobody That's the hilarious cares. thing is the fact you've got 50 years worth of the comics and you know, like we've, we've, the comics have moved on most certainly since the days of your, you know, your Iceman, Angels, original lineup. They've got hundreds lineup. of characters. So like, you know, the, the Midwitch Cuckoos and like whoever you have now, like in terms of the, am I talking out of turn here? I've been, I've not read an X-Men comic in about three years, but like, <laughs> but still like you, your, your band of, your band of X-Men characters now, like, you It's know, completely different completely from the original different. roster. I was a massive Inhumans uh, comic reader. Uh-huh. Uh, on top of like occasionally dabbling with X-Men that was kind of my ballpark because yeah Inhumans and, in and years, Mutants are because, very different because um, Marvel Studios still owned the rights to uh, Inhumans it basically meant that we had a period ooh, up to about three years ago where like Fantastic Four went off into space to go on their own adventures and never to be seen again because Fox owned them in the comics yeah. and same thing happened with the X-Men the X-Men were dying <laughs> because of a massive cataclysmic event, which basically meant that this um, uh, terrogenesis thing happened across the earth, which meant all of these like dormant inhuman people became inhumans, and it actually started to kill off the mutant gene at the same time. So, oh, lo and behold, Marvel Studios don't own the rights to the X-Men, and it means that there's far fewer X-Men, and there's a load more inhumans. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's odd how, like... But even then, like, you still have a situation where we, we are regurgitating the same X-People. Yeah. And I think it's just, it, you know, everybody kind of started to tap out. Like, it, the, the stories just kept getting too familiar, and, you know, the same sort of... The same filmmaking, the same stor- stories were just being told and retrod, and it's just... It's just like oh man just give everybody something new they just mm. they just really want something new and x-men doesn't have to be the same core of characters like give me Taika so Waititi's banshee film right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure like it feels like it has been a seesaw of like retconning timelines and then good and bad films because it was kind mm. of like you know it came back and there were some good films and Daisy Future Past I really like and that was kind of reforming of the old guard yeah, as it was anyway yeah. but then apocalypse shits the bed and now the yeah, new yeah. one's like Ugh. and then deadpool comes along and obviously deadpool is you know he's he's kind of part of that universe yeah. but they've managed to to completely sidestep it so like they have got the mansion in but it's 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 <laughs> nothing to do with the x-men mm. um so yeah they're kind of they're kind of running parallel to it which i really enjoy it's like they've kind of they've done something completely different with it they've said it in the same universe but they're still managing to do something new and fresh. And it's like, oh, thank God. Like, that's... Yeah. And oh, there's Logan. That. And there's Logan. Logan like, you know, yeah. a one-shot finale, yeah. which is the best thing which they've ever done. Which so. wonderful. And I thought it was such a great way for that character to go out. Like, he's the longest-running yeah. superhero there's ever been. He's mm. made more superhero movies as that one character than anybody else has done. Um, and I just thought, like, I'm so glad that he's. I'm not. I'm not glad he's dead. Um, but like that kind but of. He's, but he's getting a good ending. Yeah, he's like getting if he was an still ending. involved and he was in Dark Phoenix, yeah. and that would be his end. I just, like, oh. I just feel like you can't keep trotting Wolverine out. He mm. doesn't save movies. Like, stop making him come in and cameo. Like, it's, it's just not. It's boring. Like, people mm. want someone else. Everyone's always pleased to see him, but then it's like, ah, it's just it's Wolverine. Like, yeah. bring someone else in, do something new. Um, so yeah, it, watching the original one back again, it was just yeah. Like, speaking oh, man. of Wolverine, it was a blast in the past. Really I've got was to say, watching this again last night. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's let's get into it. X Men two thousand. So this starts with Patrick Stewart voiceover, which I immediately thought reminiscent of 
the start of each episode of Next Generation. <laughs> you title sequence in terms of almost... It, it seemed Because it's just before you do get a proper title sequence with this, which reminded me you don't get title sequences like anymore. In, in regards to this, like in big blockbuster films, you hardly ever get a title sequence with just some kind of cool... I, well, I say cool, but graphics. 2000s um, On cool. screen, kind yeah. of thing. Like, you're with the credits and then going... Like, Avengers Endgame, obviously saw recently, literally just cuts to yeah. title, boom. You get in. cold opens, yeah. then a title, but no opening credits. No title, actual no. opening credits. Kind of thing but before all. this, actually... Uh, we're we're firmly in the era of agonizingly slow DVD menus. If you yeah, watch yeah, the DVD, it's yeah. like, oh, oh, we're in the cerebro. Oh, we're going through the door. Just let me play the fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's the time when they actually used to put extras on the back, animated DVD menu. Yeah. As an extra. Then you finally get there and you press play movie and it... Yeah, it takes you on another journey through to start the film. Like, uh, just like, this is making the whole situation slower. Surely the whole point of DVDs was to speed things up. (laughs) This is a film that starts with two flashbacks, technically, right? Yeah, yeah, essentially. Well, Or do we really start there and then we flash forward to to the future? Uh, I don't know. Is the Rogue One... Is that Rogue One a flashback? I suppose it, or has she? Because is there time between that happening well, and her time between, being on the road? There's definitely time between. Yeah, there's got to be. Oh, right? okay. Yeah, I, so yeah. I assume she just ran mm. out of the house and like never came back. Made it made her way to Anchorage. Yeah, it's yeah. It, reminiscent of everybody moaned about it when it happened in X Men Three: The Last Stand because we get the flashback, which is um, um, Angel, that really horrific one of that child cutting off his wings. And it's like him in the bathroom, his dad's knocking the door going, son, are you masturbating? <laughs> like, and then there's there's another flashback within that film as well. With like the, the worst beginning. digital youngification yes, of all yes. time. They look like, like now, we, Again, we're used to MCU, like amazing digital yeah. youthification. They do it in Last Stand. And then in, all like, the people the to youthify, scenes. how do you screw up Patrick Stewart? Yeah, well, it's, it's <laughs> the fact that he's them, but they just, they just look the same. They're just yeah. eyes look They like. look like a Snapchat filter. <laughs> yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Really. <laughs> fucking weird uh, especially considering like one film later they'd be played by James McAvoy and Michael Pathfinder <laughs> at that period um, so yeah so you get a voice so in my head I was like this has got to be a deliberate kind of callback CNG because at that point that's what yeah, he still is yeah, famous yeah. for like completely yeah he actually still is yeah. Picard because they're still making uh, the TNG movies at this stage Um and then uh, we go into Holocaust flashback. Yeah, I figured this is, you know, such a grim sort of brave start to a blockbuster movie. Like, you it know, really Nazis was. and dead Jews yeah. everywhere. It's Especially like, at that up. time. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, uh, I think when watching this film, you kind of have to try and watch it in context because I think it is a weird one to watch now with all that's come afterwards. Yeah. I've, but, I did feel a bit like that last night. It was like, this is, this is kind of weirdly prescient. Mm. like it does feel like quite timely like this weird kind of like no you're different get out like it, it just it was like oh no it's happening again <laughs> it's happening again um so yeah that opening like with with the with the jews being separated and you know taking into camps and it's oh it's awful yeah, it's and something like, like shinless list and it's like what have i walked into you know yeah it's, yeah it's, exactly it, it this feels, is supposed to be fun <laughs> it feels much more like a proper film than yes. a superhero movie yeah rotation yeah. Mark, because you know. the thing that happened with your batman 
fans and everything else it was they were they were trying to make them look like comic books mm. you know they were they were bright and flashy and colorful mm. and everybody hated them because they looked like comic books so when they started to take them seriously because the fans were like no 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 take them seriously these are you know well written and you know artistic in their own right these stories deserve better yeah. Um, so when they actually finally did it, it was like, oh man, this is how they're going to do this now. <laughs> but and it also it was gives refreshing. your villain and like your villain yeah. of the piece an actual, some weight behind him as well. Yes. Mm. You know, it's mm. not like, you know, your Zod, you know, flipping off into the <laughs> Phantom Zone into space. <laughs> you know, this is like, a, oh, okay, we have some real backstory that, that I kind of, well, I can kind of totally understand his viewpoint. Yeah. It's saying that he's seen all this before, isn't it? Essentially. Yes. And it's also, like you said, I think, with this opening, it's like mission statement for the film that essentially they were running away um, from that idea of appearing to be comic booky. Everything about this film is trying to appear much more to be a regular film mm-hmm. than a comic book movie. Yeah. Like the lensing itself, like doesn't, lighting, do, the lighting, everything about it, the production design, like costumes, like everything is kind of dialed down. Um, to try get away as far as far as they can from day glow aspects yeah, of yeah. Joel Schumacher, as far and this opening just like you say in tone is really it's extreme it's harrowing like you say you name check Schindler's List I mean if anything I'd say it's almost like slightly overwrought but it doesn't like it it's, feels affecting mm-hmm. like when they're actually holding the kid back. And it's just very subtle effect of him trying to use his powers yeah. to kind of open well, up the door. Well, he doesn't even realise it's yeah, the first yeah, yeah. discovery of his powers. Exactly. Isn't it? So he's he's kind of reaching out and, and pulling the gates towards him. Yeah. And there, he's got six soldiers holding this kid in midair who who like they're all sliding in the mud because he's pulling them mm. all forward mm. and they don't know what it is until they knock him out. It's actually a really clever way of establishing exactly who he is, exactly what he can do without actually explaining anything. Yeah. Like just visually showing what this kid's capable of. Mm-hmm. And like straight away, you know exactly who Magneto is. He's called Magneto. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know exactly who he is and, and what his powers are and everything. So it's actually a very clever way of kind of going, okay, he's justified, <laughs> he's powerful and he's old. Like yeah. all in the yeah. first five minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what these two opening scenes do so well when they they double down the idea of like trauma brings out your powers. So for mm. him, like it's a it's you know extreme like yeah like being separated and, from like, his family. Stress. Yeah. yeah, and then and then with Rogue straight afterwards, it's like oh, it can also happen in the high stress scenario of like your first kiss or something. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like there's one and there's the other. But the real meat of the whole film is about the philosophical philosophical differences between. Manito and Xavier mm-hmm. and uh, really like for all the focus on Rogue and Wolverine it is ultimately Magneto and Professor X's movie and these mm. this franchise has always been that I think you know there was an ori- there was originally three flashbacks at the opening oh really um, Cyclops was supposed to be a flashback to him as a teenager in school and him uh, getting basically the shit kicked out of him in the school toilets and that's for the first time where basically his like his eyes start to behind the eyes goes red and then suddenly he's just boom and he like blow blasts the top out of the the roof of the the toilet cubicle, and uh, the basically it got removed for like time and budgetary reasons. But they built the sets 
oddly enough. They built part of the set, which is the toilet cubicles that are then used in X2, where Mystique um, drink, the drugs the, the pervy... The security guard. Security guard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's that. They basically just repainted them. <laughs> reuse that toilet. <laughs> yeah, totally. so we've, we've paid for it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, personally, I'm really glad that they dropped that, because for me, the the perfection of it is the fact that you go from like the first mutant like magneto or the earliest one we're aware of within these films at this point um to the latest one both manifesting their powers Mm. um at an adolescent age and that is really the duality of that is really really cool and we use like you know like wolverine and rogue are our gateway into the mutant world. Yeah, she's new and Logan's old hat and doesn't want any part of it. But of well, course, I mean, you're gonna I get mean he's it. like he he is old hat, but he doesn't know that. Like, well, he thinks he's special. Like as far as he's concerned, like but yeah, he really thinks he's one of the only. Ones, uh, yeah, right? he yeah. really thinks he's he's kind of the only one out there. But he but he also like he is a lone wolf. He's just he's been out <laughs> on his own, uh, you know, for a really long time, and he he doesn't have a family. He doesn't have friends. He doesn't have he you know he gets beaten up for money. Yeah. Um, so you know, and like seeing him in this movie, it was like, oh man, he is not as like. Now, when you see Wolverine, you imagine a massive pumped guy, yeah. and looking at him <laughs> yeah. being this stripped back, like he's just sinew. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's like he's toned, but he is not buff. And it no. was just like, oh, that's so refreshing. <laughs> like, it's it's like, so, so nice. weird to watch now because I mean, it's the fact that it's the same actor. So yes. now, you know, literally any superhero film. They're massive. They've got to be massive. They've yeah. got to be absolutely ripped to shreds. And with Hugh Jackman, because he's played the role for so long, yeah. it actually applies to him in the sense of he was there at the beginning mm. of this crazy in 2000. And this is very much following on from the original four Batman films, yeah. where if you look at all the actors who played those roles when they're playing Batman, Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, and George Cooney, none of them are hench no. for those. Like they, they, I think they all get their tops off at one point or another in those films and they all look reasonably regular like you know yeah. just kind they of they just like, look healthy just, yeah just okay shape reasonably fit but nothing nothing more no. than that and with uh, like Jackman in this like again he looks in perfectly decent shape yeah. like nothing to com- yeah. c- complain he's in, about he's in case training shape but yeah, in yeah, terms exactly. of yeah. but in comparison to him in Days of Future Past, uh-huh. where he is beyond jacked. <laughs> He's jacked Jackman uh, in that film. I mean, literally, they, the vascularity on him yeah, in Days of Future really Past veiny, is isn't he? insane. And to compare those two body types, between, it's it's mental that that was still okay. Like, they, yeah. he actually, there's a bit where he turns around to Jean Grey and says, huh, try and get my top off again? And she kind of <laughs> looks at him going like, I've seen better. Like, oh, yeah, there's like four was round here the other day. Like, oh, yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's really weird, that kind of change. Yeah. And it, funny enough, it links in with what I was about to say in the sense because the next big scene is we meet, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, there's a kind of Senate hearing going yeah. on, isn't yeah. there, to do with kind of uh, Patrick Stewart's uh, Professor X. Great introduction. Is, yeah, yeah, is is uh, talking, trying to defend the idea of uh, mutants against Senator Kelly. He's a sort of uh, Joe McCarthy cipher, yeah. isn't he? And then it turns out that Ian McKellen's Magneto has been watching from the sidelines 
and you know he tracks him down they're on this kind of like gantry or something and they have a little showdown uh where they speak we we get clear introductions to their two ideologies mm-hmm. um you know very much meant to and be and then they have history and they're old friends yeah. and you get so much from that one scene in that sense without the need for like masses of exposition at this point there's or a lot flashbacks, of flashbacks or flashbacks or yeah, 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 it's, yeah it's really simple it's just going okay professor x is the martin luther king of <laughs> mutants and magneto is the uh, Malcolm X, yeah. essentially. They both have a point, but it's like, which way are they going to go and how are they... Well, the future Charles, not them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're both great. I mean, immediately... Oh, fantastic. The, the chemistry between them is sizzling, in the sense that you can see why... I just wanted to kiss. Yeah, well, I, I always wanted to kiss. Like, you, know, like, you can see why they created such a bromance between each other. And yeah. I presume... I can't presume this is where they got to know each other first time, McKellen um, and they, they Stuart. Were both, they're both Shakespearean trained actors. They've both, uh, you know, done Shakespeare in theatre. Um, I know their paths did cross um, earlier on in their careers, but I don't know how friendly they were with each other. Mm. Um, but I think, yeah, this this kind of was, yeah, the start of something wonderful. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, they were brought together to, to kind of really work together. So, yeah, they're both being, you know, they're both world-class actors who are yeah. kind of being given these, these comic book roles and obviously enjoying the fuck out of it, like having a great time. Like, do you want to be like a, a psychic superhero who's got a crazy wheelchair? yes please <laughs> do you want to have a cape and a and a magnet helmet yes please like it's just like they're having such magnet a great helmet. time what's, what's it called like he doesn't have does it have an actual I know, name it's just, it's just his helmet it's just magneto's helmet but yeah it's <laughs> stop it up magneto's helmet. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure we will not be the last but they perform it with the gravitas of shakespeare yeah, and they, they give it they give it like the respect it deserves they they really obviously love these characters mm. you know they they play them with an awful lot of care um so yeah it's this isn't just a payday for this isn't our schwarzenegger as as you know mr freeze eyes to see you it's like <laughs> one of the greatest performances i dig i do dig that one <laughs> that that trumps your your jim carrey as, as the as the, you're, oh yeah you're hating with us not got into your jim carrey <laughs> hate. No, no, no. Um, no. um but with this yeah it is that thing where you like you say ian mckellen was actually drawn to the material because obviously he's a gay rights activist yeah. himself and he he saw the duality with uh, mutants. He talked about the kind of the mutant genes meant to manifest itself at puberty, yeah. and he saw the duality of uh, their oppression with that of gay people. Yeah, and that's what drew him to the role of Magneto and understood where that character was coming from. So I think he imbues the character of Magneto is meant to be the bad guy. Um, He's one with... of these fabled militant gays, then, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> he abuses him with real poignancy, and you kind of totally get it from his point of view. He never comes across as just evil no. or something like that. And yeah, it's really well shot as well, that, that scene, because they keep um, McCallan's face in shadow mm. uh, for a long time. Uh, one thing I was going to say, another um, interesting difference from then to today in terms of, like, you know, Hugh Jackman with the body type, do we think that if they'd made this now... Sexy young Magneto? They would have cast younger. Oh, God, yes. In both roles. Well, you know, like, he would have been in his 50s, old. right? 
Like, like yeah, yeah, at least both yeah. of them in their 50s. Well, hasn't, yeah. hasn't McKellen just turned 80, 80, wasn't it? So shit, well, he was yeah, and I think, uh, 61? Peace Jew is late 70s as well. Okay, like, right. They, I think they're both I similar I think they were both ages. in their early 60s when they met. So, but that's still that's a landmark thing to do, is to yeah. go, look at these roles that they're clearly going to want to franchise out for many years to come and go, we're going to... Uh, somebody who's after, yeah, say, the prime guys. of what you'd expect. Mm. Sorry, I just did an air quotes thing. It's terrible. <laughs> but yeah, somebody's after the prime of their life as an actor. They didn't go for... Uh, Don yeah. Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, can, well, well, can you think of another comic character that is canonically old, who they have then cast old for their first appearance nowadays? Well, it's a, what I mean by it is, in a sense, I think fluctuating it's... Al- uh, Alfred, don't you? He yeah. goes from he uh, Michael Goff though, yeah. down to um, Jeremy Irons, and... Jeremy Irons, and Michael Caine, and oh, they've just done a new TV series, haven't they? Where he's like young, sexy Alfred. Well, you're the super young, sexy Alfred, but then <laughs> anyway, before that, you also had um, Sean Pertwee, Sean Pertwee as well, as, yeah, as uh, Alfred Gotham. Gotham, yeah, and yeah, now the guy playing him in the new series, I think he's like twenty or something, isn't yeah. he? Like, See, yeah. I kind of assumed that they picked. Um, uh, Patrick Stewart because he looks so much like him. Yeah, well, that is that was that dream de- definitely the reason. Yeah, it's and like, and five, and ten years ago, well, five years ago, even it would have been like, could we just get Brian Cranston? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He but, was. He was hot and bold right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, was, so I think it was very deliberately like, no, he's he is mm. Professor X. Yeah. So if we have to have someone as old as Patrick Stewart, then you have to have someone as old as him playing Magneto. It just yeah. makes perfect sense. So yeah, I think it was just like that guy. Th- this guy can really do this. We want him, so we have to play him off somebody. Well, then McKellen's like history that. with with Brian Singer is he was the secret Nazi in Apt People, yes. which was a few years before this, right? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was ninety seven, wasn't it? Sure. So, so yeah. they have a history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> and it's funny, like well, nobody. Well, <laughs> hopefully, not too much. History. Like nobody knew that he was just about to go on and do Lord of the Rings as well, which right, would make yeah. him. Like a well, superstar. Yeah. Gandalf yeah, is that's the year after this, yeah. yeah. Gandalf's one of the most recognizable kind yeah. of um, fantasy characters of all time. Yeah, yeah. But apparently um, it said McKellen turned down X Men because he wanted to be Gandalf and Singer went, Oh, okay, and shifted dates around so he could do both. So uh, dates with fourteen year old boys. <laughs> he shifted his diary around. Um Yeah, but I it, you're you're right in saying it's just interesting to me. In the sense of, I think now, because obviously James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender ended up playing these roles later on in the prequels, and I kind of think if they've made now, they would have just gone, gone for that prequel age immediately. They would have gone, yeah. why are we going like really old? Be sexy all the teen X Men and sexy thirty something like you know patriarchal yeah. characters. Yeah, no, nobody exists after forty five. So because <laughs> even Cyclops and Jean Grey kind of seem. I know that they aren't probably, but they sort of seem middle aged in comparison. Like yeah, they seem in their thirties. Even well, though I'm sure Marsden would have been younger than that. Maybe, but Janssen was thirty one in this. Oh, right, okay, I, well, I, there you go. Because I literally looked it up earlier because I figured, oh, this must have been one of her early parts with Goldeneye, like, five years older, uh, five years earlier. But she was 30 in Goldeneye. Right. She's, like, 35 Marston in this. was so 27. Not... Okay. And, yeah, um, she was 36. Wow. Well, there yeah. you go. I mean, the kid playing Cyclops in first class looks about 12. <laughs> so, you know, they really yeah. want to go younger now. And, you know, I'm sure Brian Singer wanted to cast young boys, but, you know. <laughs> well, we're in an age now where you often joke, like, oh, in the 50s and 60s, people looked like they were born at 55 and stayed that way forever. Yes. Like, now is it that people look younger for longer? Yeah. And it's like. Yeah, exactly. exactly. With exactly. this movie, I think as well, you want to give this. You want to give this impression that these characters are lived in. 
you want to give this universe a kind of uh, a feeling that it's been going like the, well, this, the school yeah, this is the origin of the x-men yeah this is oh we've been going for some time yeah Thank yeah, you very yeah. Much. they've mm. got their jets they've got their underground you know lab they've got the school they've got yeah this is all set up already and you kind of get the impression that they've been doing this stuff for a really long time they've been going around the world finding yeah. uh, finding other mutants and kind of you know trying to bring them into the school or you know help them however they can so yeah you want to give this impression that it's a very like well-worn well-lived in universe so having older characters i think was like it was quite a nice move really mm. it was kind of going you know these people are trained these people yeah. like they know their powers they know what they're doing um so yeah if you if you have them too young it's just like yeah. how, how long have you been doing this well, this is the thing I, boy. I was quite amazed at how quickly they just get into things at yeah, being yeah. like not explaining anything it's like you just pick up through context people's relationships and stuff until you get the scene where uh, Professor X takes Wolverine on his tour oh, and gives, like, gives like five minutes of straight <laughs> here's our jet here's our school this is what we do I'm and surprised I'm like, ah. it wasn't in song form yeah, to be oh, honest you made me want it to be see our jet see our jet because I was like oh you're doing so well and then you did this and this is like 30 minutes in like you don't need this now have get you it. seen the they bought out a DVD it's called, they call it X-Men 1.5 yeah, and, I've and got, that's the DVD has, I've got. It has the um the there's a longer version of that scene. Oh it's almost double the length, but they almost <laughs> repeat some of the stuff within it as well. Is he it's just like, like here's the takes. laundry room? And... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here's the, here's the, the dumb waiter. Yeah. <laughs> His name's Harold. I've Fort Magneto in this laundry room. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that 1.5 DVD. That's the DVD I've got of the film, and it's weird because I assumed there would be delete scenes on mm. it and there aren't they're just extended yeah. scenes in terms of it's like the same scene but just with more <laughs> dialogue. I was like so do you want to watch the film with less yeah, editing yeah, I was like, yeah. yeah that's literally <laughs> what it is not all some exciting delete or like ooh delete cuts to like that Cyclops scene yeah. or something like that that's it's almost like, a shame because I was really wowed by the fact that this movie is pretty much exactly 90 minutes by the time the credits start it yeah, chips yeah. along at Mary because I looked and it said like it's 100 minutes long on the back of the DVD but then it, it finished at 90 minutes, and I was like, there's not nine solid minutes of credits for this. And there is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I mean, that's the thing. In, if you think about it, like this film would have been one of those first kind of blockbusters of, of this era, I think, where you get those 10 minute long credit yeah. sequences because there's so many special effects and stuff like that. Um, but to have but, a superhero, superhero film that isn't two hours, two hours plus is, is well, quite a change. I mean, I think there is the... a reason for that. Um, the budget for this film, they, they, the, the studio cut the cut the arsehole out of it, basically, yeah. almost to what, like a third. They it's just, seventy-five yeah. million in the end, which is you know is, is nothing to sneeze at. No, but when you compare it to budgets for superhero films today, which are getting you know inching Hundreds. close to the three hundred million yeah. territory. I think Logan was ninety. So. Yeah, that's well, yeah. I mean, there you go. That's nuts, isn't it? In the sense that this is the first X Men film. Earn seventy five million. But then budget. you're casting Famke Janssen and James Marsden and you know Halle Berry pre Halle Berry really blowing up, and, and that's probably and, and fucking Hugh Jackman. Who the fuck is Hugh Jackman? You know, oh, <laughs> but who's Hugh Jackman? You know, yeah. Anna yeah, Paquin well, is like is like Oscar an Oscar winner. nominated or Oscar winning star, right? Did she win? 
Oscar nominated. Lawrence Shiladonna loved the idea of like casting lots of like Oscar worthy bait for these films, and this is why you've got like as it goes down, you've got your you know your J J Laws and your this and your that and all of them. But then the flip side is you also get your dickhead footballer types as well in here. Yeah. Are you talking about Vinnie Jones? I am talking about Vinnie Jones. (laughs) Well, let's talk about Jackman then, Um, because this role was originally meant to be inherited by. Do Grace Scott. Amen. Uh, the villain in Mission Impossible 2. One you of the... should have killed me, <laughs> Hunts. One of the many things we've got to thank Mission Impossible 2 for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, because well, yeah, he was meant to, so there was scheduling conflicts with MI2, apparently. Oh, thank God. He injured himself on the, the bike chase <laughs> in uh, Mission Impossible 2. As well. I'm going to say he sprained his injured awesomeness. himself in air quotes because it was obviously a sabotage attempt so that he couldn't do a Wolverine. I mean, it's so weird, isn't it? Because I mean, no, no diss to do Grey Scott, like because I, I think, I think he's an all right yeah. actor in general. Like other that things, sounds like a diss. Uh, yeah, I mean, like other things I've <laughs> seen him in. Right. I, I think you know he's he's comical in Mission Impossible too, but I think you know that kind of meets the tone of that mm. film kind of thing whereas everything else I've seen him in Twin Town and uh, his guest appearance on Doctor Who yeah. uh, he's been, Deep Impact know, he's I can't remember him Deep for Impact, in Deep Impact. He's, he's, he's perfectly fine yeah. but I don't look at him and go Wolverine I mean I remember I don't the, look at him and go Star yeah yeah exactly yeah. like even at the time when I remember them saying like because I remember the time where he was yeah. Wolverine like in the press because I, you know, I was actually following the development of this film because I was so excited at the time for it to come out. And even so, I remember going, "Oh, that guy is going to be Wolverine." Like, oh, well, you sure already had fanboys kind of getting annoyed. I mean, not in any real sense of what we have now, no. when you get fanboys being annoyed like it's a worldwide Twitter event. Um, but like when I was like when this film was coming out, and I was talking to my friends about it, they were like, "But Wolverine's really short." Like, he's really hairy. Yes. You like, can't have a six foot four actor playing it. No, they were already getting no. annoyed because he was like, that's not, that's not mm. Wolverine. That's not Wolverine. It needs my to be Wolverine. Danny DeVito. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of this kind of nobody really, you know, whoever they chose at this point, it wasn't going to be right because he was too tall and he wasn't hairy enough. And, you know, he, it was like, he's too pretty. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it kind of, it was already annoying people. And then after the first X-Men movie, you couldn't imagine anybody else doing well, he it. he grew into the role. Yeah, he really did. Sorry, that's a terrible <laughs> part. I mean, that's the thing is, he nails the role from absolute day one. He is, from his first scene, he is absolutely amazing. He With the is cigar Wolverine. and the hair. and yeah. Like, yeah, he really is. He's, he's got it. And he, look, Hugh Jackman is one of the most absurdly handsome men in the world. But, like, you know, he's still got that grizzled nature to him. Like, immediately, he manages to pull it off. Like, uh, those, you... those chin length sideburns not many people can pull that off do you yeah, know what I mean exactly so you needed a handsome <laughs> man to be able to go balance that out because uh, it's funny I was looking at the kind of production history of X-Men because obviously this is a property uh, that had been going around for a long long time mm-hmm. you know first published in 1963 is when the comics start and the actual production for the film or development started in 1984 um, where originally Orion films were going to make it. They're the people who made Robocop and The Terminator. They, they made those other films as well, but for some reason, when I think of Orion, I go, Robocop. The Terminator, Robocop. Mm. I think that's what I think of. Like, I, I mean, imagine if we'd had like 
a RoboCop level violence, <laughs> like X film. Um, and at that time, when they were kind of developing it, they were thinking of Bob Hoskins <laughs> for Wolverine. Both oh, Bob no. Hoskins. And the, the 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 funny thing is, is now in recent months, as you were saying, there's been this amusing kind of petition online to get Danny DeVito uh. as. Wolverine, which I kind of think is, yeah, it's the jokey thing of going, actually, Wolverine's meant to be quite short he and is runky. Really Kit Harrington. Yeah. Kit Harrington well, he's a little shorter. He's what? I think he's like 5'10". Like, so he's yeah. a little shorter. He's, yeah. he's always like the shortest yeah. guy whenever there's a photo of him of the Stark girls. He's yeah. always yeah. like... Uh, but yeah. he, he could grow some serious beard. Yeah, he's shorter than Brandon. Or Brandon, he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. you know, like. But I mean, I do, I, I, you know, people joke, but I do kind of get it in the sense of, I don't know if anyone here has ever read um, Greg Rucker's uh, run on the Wolverine comic. The, the first arc in that, drawn by Darrett Robinson, the way he draws Wolverine, he does look, like someone like Bob Hoskins or Daniel right. Leo or so. He does look like this really small, runty, feral little like man. Kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. so really kind of... Well, he's just... always like, he's always at a crouch as yeah. well. Like, yeah. he's always a bit hunched over yeah. and yeah, a bit yeah. like... So, like, he is, he does give the impression of this, like, very powerful man. But so it almost yeah. hurts him to be that badass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His badassery <laughs> is imploding him. Oh! Like, he's he's <laughs> pulling him in from the inside. Just always um, flexing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just always constantly <laughs> pumped. Um, but yeah, he just, he's not, in the comics, he's never been pretty. Like, he's never been, like, mm. handsome. He's always been, like, part animal. That was the whole point. Like, he was part Wolverine. Like, yeah. you yes. know. Part angry yeah, badger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Part angry badger. <laughs> <Exactly. yeah. laughs> but Jackman now has reimagined the role as sexy Wolverine. Because yeah. off the back of this, I mean, he became a massive, like, Huge. sex symbol. Everyone. He, he, everybody loved Wolverine. That yeah. was the character that everybody loved the most. I mean, to the point of... I remember at the time when Jackman was in normal films like Swordfish and stuff like that. Kate and Leopold. I, I remember girls always Leopold. saying like, oh no, he's only sexy as Wolverine. Like in terms of they wanted the yeah, Cybers. Yeah. Like, he's just like, he, I feel like he's only just been accepted for himself now. Like, yeah. uh, like, you know, now just he like musicals. It's like, get back that mental hair right now. Otherwise, I won't fuck you, Jackman. I like a bad boy. <laughs> no, he's like, bless his heart. Like he's been desperate to do musicals for like a decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously like he can't, he couldn't do Wolverine and musicals at the same time. So he's just like been waiting for Well, he could have called into Bruvs if we... Uh, uh, did the musical version of the exposition scene to oh, go yeah. 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 brilliant see uh, Chapman would have well. been completely up for that he totally <laughs> would he's been desperate to do song and dance numbers for such a long time he's just, just not been skipping along wheeling Prof X around like, just... no eat nothing but protein and work out you are not allowed to sing I mean, to be fair, he does launch into Oklahoma in every single interview he's ever done. Yeah, so. yeah bless him. He's supposed to be like the most mild-mannered, like gentle, sweet man. Like, sweet man. He just wants to sing. Even 10 years earlier, right, less than 10, uh, five, six years earlier, we could have had like a Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe was a pro. Yeah. Holy he recommended moly. Jackman. Jackman was a mate of his because obviously incredible. they're both Aussies. Amazing. He was approached because they went, Look, Russell, you're a man who likes fighting. You're an angry guy. <laughs> so you'd be perfect for the role of Wolverine. That's brilliant. <laughs> and to be fair, you can. Yeah, you can, totally. you oh, can I can see totally it. see uh, it. But he turned around and went, oh, no, mate, I've got a star in Gladiator. 
Uh, here's my good friend Hugh Jack. He's not quite as angry as me, but he'll do a good job. <laughs> yeah, he's far far nicer than me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he recommended him for the role, and that's why that's he got really it. That's really cool. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the thing is, I could, I mean, not anymore, obviously. Uh, but back then, like, yeah, Gladiator era Russell Crowe. Mm. He, I mean, he would have been kind of like an in between. Yeah. Into, in, in between those kind of the thing the fanboys want in terms of the Bob Austin Day video and the more pretty Hugh Jackman, yeah. he would he would have been a really perfect um, in the middle of that. Uh, but it was not to be, and Jackman completely owned the role. Now I can't imagine anyone else. No. It's like RDJ as, as Iron Man. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, they had to spoilers for Endgame. They had to kill him because it was that case of we can't recast yeah. like you know no one is ever going to be able to play Robert mm. Downey nobody uh, does no it one's better. ever going to be able to play Robert Downey Jr. again or, <laughs> I, or are they the same person <laughs> Downey Jr. is just dead somewhere they just <laughs> Marvel have just buried him quietly yeah, exactly. well I hope they stick to their guns with that and that they never bring him back because mm-hmm. that yeah, what's, the be- so. what's the point of having an interconnected universe if you don't if you, but well, I don't, think, you can I do don't think they have to bring him back exactly. because the thing is the way the MCU works now they have all been about kind of pushing forward yeah. and doing you look at their slate for phase four which although not officially announced we know these films are all happening we know they're in development we know they've got like production start dates and stuff and most of them are all new stuff like shang chi the eternals they, they trying they're not just going oh more more sequels they, mm-hmm. they still try mm. new characters uh, new teams and now obviously Disney owned Fox X-Men and the Fantastic Four are going to be rolled into MCU I do hope that they put to bed these which are classic 60s and 70s X-Men characters for a while though like your Wolverines and Storms which came in the 70s and like you know we don't need to see another Angel for a while I think that kid from EastEnders can go do one um, <laughs> you know your Icemans your Jean Greys like, I'd you like know, to put see them, more Rogue I'd say put them, pull them all to bed for a while, like, you know, because through the continuity of the Fox Men films, which we had for, like, however many years, 17 years, um, just, I tell you what, let's just start fresh. Can we have slate. our Gambit movie, please? You know. Oh, that's the, yeah, oh, that's been cancelled. No, dead. I could do without, I could do without all of that. Just a whole fresh new life. But, these are also X-Men, but, but these Channing are characters Tatum's that aren't has been so desperate to play Channing, Gambit for Channing so Potato long. Channing Potato could do something else. I it really seems can. so weird to me, actually, that that was such a hard... Sell because well, Channing Tatum Wyatt is ran away so... from it, didn't he? As a director, and yeah, that. but Tatum is is such a hot ticket. Like you know, and you can totally imagine him having a Deadpool esque kind of film where his own know, franchise. Yeah, right, sure. I, it, it just seems odd to me that that was so hard to get off the ground and kind of completely stumble. And he is oh. he is Cage. Well, he, he is um. He's from New Orleans. He's from Southern States, right? Oh, is he? Yeah. So oh, he, okay. he's got, he can do the accent. He can do his Cajun accent down pat. Like, you've already got him. Like, just, just, he's already there. I he's a fully that, fleshed character. What that happened there is you end up with a situation where it was un, in development with various directors for many years. So you've basically, you've sunk a lot of, many, many millions of this already. Then you're looking at the 15 million or whatever you're going to pay Channing Potato for this as well. And already <laughs> you're just like, this is before they've even started production. And like, I think X-Men you know, as a franchise was doing its thing and is still doing its thing, it's like, where do you position Gambit? Yeah. Where, mm. where do you position him within all this? Or do you wait for the inevitable Disney I think, like, purchase? I think if, and... 
I think if Deadpool wasn't a thing, wasn't a hit, mm. they could have got away with squeezing out a gambit, but with... It makes me like a little poo. <laughs> 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 it could have well been to But it, yeah, if that had bombed, then they could have gone, right, what's another kind of off-kilter single character we can spin off that's already in the works? Mm. Let's get him going. But once Deadpool's a hit, it's like... Uh, yeah, because that would have to be that. That would kind of be that would be Gambit slot, wouldn't it? That kind of off-season February release. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd like to see a Nightcrawler. I'd like to see Nightcrawler come back. Because um, he's got the coolest power. movie, or just bring back Nightcrawler. Even. Um, I d- well, he's I in. Think, um, he's in Dark Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, but I just I think he deserves his own movie. Like really? I'd, yeah, yeah. I'd quite happily watch a Nightcrawler movie. Oh, yeah, God. for sure. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure if I can support a Nightcrawler. <laughs> I'm not sure I can support <laughs> Hey, if um, Alan Cumming was in the role, sure, but Cody Smith-McPhee, love the guy to pieces, but yeah, I'm all right. Is he the kid in the first yeah. class or, or that? Kind of, what the, else is he from? Days, uh, Cody Smith-McPhee was the kid in the Let, Let Me In. He's, he's the boy in Let Me In. Oh, right. And uh, from, sorry? Uh, the Road. The Road, yes. And, oh, is he the kid in The Road? Is and he? Uh, Slow West. Yes. Oh, uh, okay. Well, he, no, he looks. No he looks like. Sickly. Yeah, he looks like Hiccup from <laughs> How Especially to Train with the that Nightcrawler makeup on. <laughs> but because Nightcrawler and Mystique are related, like it's it's like that that could actually be quite interesting. And I kind of they allude to that in X Two X Men yeah. United. But um, but yeah, I just think it's like it's a bit of a wasted kind of opportunity really because like i like the x-men that don't look human like i like the characters that speaking don't look of human. wasted opportunities right. and characters that don't look human saber tooth and toad guys oh, oh yeah God. well this is funny this was the next film my notes to talk about talking about casting choices is i find it so interesting again it's the the, the time differences of this is the time where it was fine to hire a wrestler who wasn't an actor and didn't even want to be an actor <laughs> yeah, yeah. as a role like this. So with Sotu, they hire Tyler Maine, mm. who was mm. a wrestler prior to this. Yeah. And also a couple of years before, they hired Jeep Swenson as Burn! Uh, R.I.P. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. He's dead, isn't he? Like, uh, too much Venom. And, <laughs> venom, 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 venom. And the thing is, is uh, it's weird because they just wanted... They just wanted the physicality. Yeah. Like, in terms of Jeet Swenson, is this absolute mm. monster of a man, kind of like in uh, Batman and Robin. And that's all they wanted. They didn't want him to act. Mm. Um, whereas later on, the next person to be cast as Bane is Tom Hardy, one of the greatest <laughs> actors of the generation in The Dark Knight Rises. And later on, even, we get Levert Schreiber as Sabretooth, mm-hmm. uh, which is so weird because, I mean... That's set in the same universe, mm. and you put Lee Shu in it. It's a Tyler Maine. It's like, what the fuck? How did that guy? Lee Shu actually said in an interview that like he would, he wanted to see that for a future X Men film, like the dots being connected. How did he get from him to the more beast, bestial, beastly, 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 the more beastly, the more beastly <laughs> version of that Sabretooth. and like that was Leah Schreiber said like I want I that that's that's a version of the character I'd like to see which is what I thought we'd see in Logan for some reason I thought we'd get Leah Schreiber back instead of it being a de-aged Hugh Jackman uh, that was the yeah, biggest letdown for me interesting. I thought but that's then that wouldn't have made sense because how's he gone back to Sh- <laughs> but yeah, just like, but you could have, you could have made Shriver <laughs> up, like you could have made him look more, you know, Hulking. 
Right. Hulking. Okay. Because the, the guy who played Sabretooth in this one, he was also in Halloween. He's Mike, Michael Myers. Um, as well. no. I said Mike Myers. Myers. He was. He was. Oh, well, the Rob Zombie version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. he was. He was handpicked by Rob Zombie uh, yeah. to be in Halloween. <laughs> That's it's... the only fucking time Tyler Mayne has it's been, been handpicked hand <laughs> to play any fucking role. But of this same uh, methodology of casting, I mean, maybe just because it's baddies henchmen. He's, he's also like he's massive. Like he is a yeah. huge guy as well. He is quite a presence. So you just kind of got yeah, big guy for Sabretooth and then jumpy jumpy stuntman Ray Park for Toad. It's like <laughs> yes, that's all Darth you need. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he doesn't really do anything, does he? Not really. Well, he, he does his um, he does his like um, he gets the staff at the one staff point, doesn't he? That does the, the literally the Phantom Menace thing yeah. where he it's the most shoehorned in ever. It's like yeah. what it was just something holding a lift open. He's like, oh, I just take this, spin it, and then do nothing yeah. with it. He just pulls odd annoying faces, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, well, they didn't do much with him. Like he just got—he's got some very strange makeup on and green yeah. hair, and and those big goggles that he doesn't actually wear for the whole. He's got like thing. Yeah, his face is like diarrhea yellow. <laughs> yeah, it's like right. he's got and he's got gr- horrible like uh, astroturf green hair. Yeah, but he yeah. like if they'd have put those big goggles on that you see him in the like he's working on a machine. Yeah, or when something, you first see him, and he's like... got those massive goggles on, so he does look kind of frog-like. If they'd have just the left them on does. him, mm. yeah, yeah, if they'd have just left them yeah. on him, it would have made a lot more sense but they didn't while i was watching this i was like there is so much they could have done with him to make him look more like a toad i think (laughs) that's that's also a um tradition now of these films because when you get to first class does anybody remember the young man who played riptide (laughs) no (laughs) no precisely (laughs) well you know i've got one big question for you and that's uh what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning can (laughs) anyone fill me in happened to everything else (laughs) Surely uh, the is, worst one-liner of, what, of all time, what right? What the few lines survive from Joss Whedon's script oh. for this film? Um, the, obviously, this script went through loads and loads of rewrites. All kinds of, but we already talked about John Logan um, coming on doing rewrite, but Joss Whedon um, also did a script for the film, uh, which was rejected, according to Entertainment Weekly, uh, for having too many quick-witted pop culture references like this yeah. uh, well which... the uh, how do you how do i know that your thingy you're a dick that's that just has that's joss whedon, whedon written all over it like right? when they can't figure out if it's you know like wolverine's just done something and they're all looking at him and he just he, he brings back his two claws so he's flipping yeah, him off yeah, yeah. that's joss whedon like that has to be joss whedon like there's a few beats in this where you're just like there he is like you can quite easily just pick them all out and be like that's what's well, like quentin tarantino in what's the gene hackman denzel crimson tide, tide. the whole Whole, uh, Silver Surfer conversation. It's just like, oh, that's Quentin Tarantino's. Uh, there you are. Yeah, <laughs> and I think right there's Star Trek references in that as well. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, to bring it back to Star Trek, actually, you're saying. Actually, I can't remember. There was something someone fucking <laughs> said. There's something to do with Star Trek, or I thought I could link this to Star Trek. <laughs> Sorry, and bring Liam. the podcast back around, but now I can't remember it. You'll it remember. It's destroyed. Like, uh, it's, it's, fine. Um, it's one, fine. One thing I noticed watching this is that there's practically no action set pieces. Like, aside yeah. from the roadside tussle after yeah. Wolverine's car accident, there isn't another action scene until 50 minutes in at the train station and then after that it's just the extended final act mm. it's one of those films that kind of operates without a second act in terms of structure where it's just kind of all set up one little sort of mid twist and then like an extended finale mm. i think and that's definitely uh, an effect of them like you know knocking out like a massive portion of the, of the budget for this yes. yeah 100 percent. yeah um, they had to cut. They had a danger room sequence. Mm. Um, the danger room, for anyone who doesn't know, is it the is, bloody holodeck? 
It, yeah, so basically, yeah. it's basically, yeah, the holodeck of uh, the X-Men. <laughs> There's a track it's, connection. It's their kind of training ground, and it's kind of a room where it can just become any kind of environment, and it trains them. And they had a sequence set in that. Uh, it was used a lot in the animated series. And that was uh, cut out of the film because of budget, but also they had to completely reconfigure the finale because there was a much bigger finale planned. Well, and didn't so, they have, like, didn't they want to bring in Sentinels? I think potentially. Isn't that what they fight in the Danger Room stuff? Um, what, what do you mean? I like, think that's in, what the they're car- doing, in the cartoon, they fight the Sentinels in the Danger Rooms. Yeah, yeah, but, they but, fight but, the Sentinels um, all the time. And the Sentinels yeah. are like giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the Danger Rooms. Oh, But but yeah, the, they couldn't bring in the Sentinels. I think I think they they finally wanted they desperately wanted to bring them in for the first movie, but they couldn't. And then for the second movie, they wanted to bring them in. But the budget would have been all taken up by the Sentinels because at that point, the the uh, the graphics just weren't there. Like, the mm. technology wasn't there to have them. Doing giant robots. No, we can't. We can't do it. It's too expensive. So, yeah, like, they just... So, they... And they they finally brought them in in Danger Future... Yeah, Briefly. Past. Well, you know, they... Yeah, properly they, in that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. The, they're, they're in the danger room in X3. They finally got to the danger oh, room. Oh, okay. But, yeah, Days um, of Future Past. And even then, they didn't look like... No, the they're ones. the weird future ones, yeah. aren't they? Which and then, yeah, really we got different. the nice retro 70s ones as well. Oh, have they got them in that yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, the finale itself, which looks cheap as chips. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the Statue of Liberty kind of set that it, they it built It looks about six inches it. tall. Like it doesn't, look very, like it doesn't look real. When Wolverine and Sabretooth get out onto it and they're fighting, I mean, it, it looks so green screen background, yeah. so fake. You know, you, you can clearly see they've just built the head Mm. and just put it on a soundstage somewhere on a green screen and My they're fighting around it. My favourite bit's where Wolverine um, narrowly escapes falling off by, uh, you know, swiping his way round <laughs> one of the spikes yes. on yeah, her yeah. on her crown and, like, he, he cuts it, doesn't he? He's like, he, he clings on by his claws and, and you're just like, oh, That no. only looks kind of cool because we're following him around. Yes. But the, the exact shots... same thing from, like, Sabretooth's point of view, just see him and go, wee! It's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... That's not how physics works. It's just so weird. Again, it's the thing of going back and they didn't spend the money. Um, I mean, I remember actually at the time, uh, contemporary reviews of this, pretty much all of them said it was like a pilot for a TV series. Yeah, sure. And I I can completely see that. You know, I think think that is a legit kind of criticism in the sense of it filled... It feels like it runs short in a lot of ways. It hasn't really got the standard act structure of a movie mm. um, with set pieces. As you say, it just feels an uh, introduction to the concept and the characters. It almost like there does feel like there's places where you could just put ads. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's very cool. Like in terms of like all its actual setting up of all the kind of different characters and the situations I think is well done apart from it the had a lot of legwork to do right yeah yeah, yeah 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 exactly and I think it does it well because it does sidestep having to be an origin story um, really oh, thank well thank god yeah. I mean yeah like we, we then after this was like the, the starting pistol for the noughties like superhero films where every fucking one was an origin story mm. and I personally hate them like they do my head in 
like as a watch, concept. I can't watch Uncle Ben die again. I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> sick of that. I'm sick of watching those pearls fall slow motion to the floor. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm just, I've just, I've seen it. I've done it. Like, yeah. you, know. you know what? I totally forgot because I rewatched Batman '89 recently. I totally forgot that that doesn't start with his origin story because it looks like it does. Yeah, it flashes but it, back. But yeah. It, well, it, yeah, it does a little bit actually. But the way it starts, you think, oh, this is it. But it's actually just a modern day robbing. Yeah, it's and just Batman's him. He's there. in it. He's I was doing like, the thing. What's Batman doing at his own origin story? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, they, they go the flashback structure route of yeah. kind of Batman Begins. And so again, like I don't mind. I think you can have an origin story if you handle it cleverly, yeah. like Batman Begins. I, I mean, I, I love Batman Begins, and that's because th- that's not doing the standard origin story. If you make it like its own film and not feel like a trailer for the next film, yes. yeah, I'm all over yeah, that, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the idea of Batman Begins, I remember really at the time, was actually, if you look at the history of Batman... He's although there's loads of really amazing stories set early in his career, kind of like year one and stuff mm. like that, there hasn't really been a definitive origin story where they've just kind of gathered all the different iterations together and done a kind of from the very beginning to right up to when he's Batman story. And that was their idea to go like, well, we'll do that. Mm. And to tell it in that Nolan-esque style, non-linear and everything works brilliantly. Mm. Uh, but with this, yeah, they, they do it... They almost kind of because this kind of the, was kickstarted the production of this iteration of X Men from the fact uh, they had the successful animated series, which was really huge mm. at the time. Like, I mean, I assume, did we all yeah, watch yeah. it? Yeah, mm-hmm. still holds up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely loved it at the time. And apparently, Lauren Shula Donna, uh, who produced these films, actually bought the rights for Fox for, to make the film off the back of that the cartoon was a fox cartoon but they didn't have the rights to make the movie they when saw how big that was went right let's buy the rights to make the film and they do feel intrinsically linked mm. i feel like the tv series version with this kind of you know that their approach is similar like that starts that doesn't start with an origin either mm. it's like a similar way of bringing in jubilee as the kind of um the character kind of lead us in be the audience here they kind of replace her with rogue but also with wolverine as well mm. and there are kind of way into the world of the x-men do you and... think that's part of an issue with this film it's like I, i'm watching this now this countless times i've seen this now there's this whole notion of like just fucking pick one like this could have been us coming at this from a very with young blood mm. with 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 Roe with Anna Paquin and her experiences through this um but there does feel very much like you know almost like with the whole Avi Arad thing like pushing for Venom for Sam Raimi's third Spider-Man it's very much like well you know Wolverine <laughs> the kids love him and that's very much <laughs> the situation we've got here yeah it's just like and this this is a franchise and as, as much as I do kind of like I, I dig them generally you know they're ups and they're downs this is the fucking Wolverine show and mm. I was never a big Wolverine fan well yeah from the way the film starts you think this is Rogue's film because yeah. it is from her point of view it is her seeking out Wolverine inadvertently and then once he's found and he's at the mansion, it's like, right, Pushes her in the face. You, yeah, yeah. And then you'll be a MacGuffin yeah, in the finale. Yeah, she just goes to watch TV, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, Like, because she's not in... She's not there for the final showdown, is she? She's at the top. She's, she's, in, the she's top. in the machine. She's oh, the, she yeah, is literally she's being, the MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. of course. She's kidnapped, doesn't she? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. which is where she gets her streak, apparently. She's but she where she gets her hair streak. She's got no agency. No, no once she's they get back to the mansion with Wolverine, she's just like, oh, I guess I'll join classes then and... But she, but she kind of when sort of she she hears him having a nightmare 
Oh, yeah, I love that stabbed. scene. Yeah. Is amazing. So she yeah. she kind of goes to to wake him up, but she can't. Obviously, she can't touch him. So you can see she's kind of like trying to wake him up, but without touching him. Mm. And then he wakes up and just stabs her in the. It's it's kind of in the chest. It's kind of yeah between the ribs. Essentially. It's like the shoulder between the shoulder like, and the ribs. Um, yeah. Um. And then she sort of sucks out all his power to heal herself. And it's like that's actually really clever. Yeah. Like that's a really clever scene. It's yeah. probably the best use of her powers in any of these films, frankly. Yeah. Because like, save herself. <laughs> She gets kind yeah. of. She's basically the girlfriend in the second. I one, know, right? I just. I'm, and then the I'm spurned so girlfriend in the third film because she's such an amazing actress. X-Men. Oh, well, like, uh, yeah, she, <laughs> by herself, all yeah. by herself. She's such an amazing X-Men. It's just like, why aren't you using her properly? Like, mm-hmm. why is she? Why okay, is I think she these a films have a real problem generally with writing with the female characters, like Famke Janssen, like beyond just being able to move a syringe with a mind. Or like, being Cyclops' really girlfriend. That, yeah, and the Cyclops' girlfriend. What's she doing in that final fight? She steadies Wolverine as Storm <laughs> lifts him up into the air. Uh, he's just like, the, uh, yeah. keep her steady. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't really get anything to do Yeah, because then this, she holds Cyclops' viewy thing so he can blast thing yeah. away as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It'd yeah. just be the object of Wolverine's yeah. affections. Mm-hmm. And, Stay away from uh, my yeah, girl. That, that's all very undercooked, isn't it? Because obviously that was a big thing in the cartoon and also the comic book of the love triangle between uh, Cyclops, Jean Grey and Wolverine. Well, Cyclops is undercooked in this film. I, I, yeah. Jesus Christ. It's so weird because th- this franchise made me think James Marsden was a shit actor when mm. I originally saw it. Because I, I hadn't seen anything else um, before this, I don't think, when I originally saw it. I was like, God. Like, I mean, Cyclops is always it has been portrayed quite a lot. I think on screen as being like a boring character. He's Leonardo in the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, and yeah. it's like actually in the comic books, he's a lot more interesting, yours because you've had so many years mm. to kind of build him up. Whereas if they just go, they portray him as the Boy Scout and nothing more. And it actually feels like James Marsden is actually a charismatic, charming funny actor mm. like you know he's done loads of really good work since then but in this film he kind of just seems to dial down all of that to do you, be do you think it's the oakley's huh? do you think it's the oakley's that he wears in this movie do you think <laughs> do you think that's what's sucking out all of his charisma <laughs> like because he's hidden behind these thick ass well, he spends half of this films apparently standing on what is essentially a milk crate because both Famke so Jensen and Hugh Jackman are so much taller than him yeah and they put her as well. I noticed in this film, I was like, what is she wearing on her feet? Like, she has the worst shoes on at one point because she has to be the same size as Wolverine. So, like, if they'd have put her in heels, like they would have done now, they would have, would have stuck her in, like, six-inch heels for when she's, like, tottering around the lab. Well, they would like, have done, like, a been... Gandalf Hobbit yeah. thing where one was in the foreground. And <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. That's why Cyclops do... is always just in a doorway somewhere. Yeah. Like, I can't move. <laughs> you never see his... So yeah, yeah. Tall. He's always the one standing furthest back <laughs> in, like, that scene in the, the when they're, they're entering the... Um, is he small the or far living. away? Because he's, he's squat. He's little. <laughs> no, these cows are far away. <laughs> These yeah. cows are small. Yeah, exactly. So it's like she's she towers above all of them, as does Hugh Jackman. So they had to kind of level her out by making her. I don't why they didn't just put her in flat shoes. I don't know, but like they had her in these teeny tiny weenie heels just so she wouldn't. Or be... you just stick Cyclops in like big old stacks, right? <laughs> like platform shoes. Totally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean she's weirdly kind of like they dress her weirdly dowdly in this film. Yeah, like, considering do. she's meant to be like, because I mean, fact. Anderson, let's let's get it clear. She's it's like beautiful. a goddess of a woman. She is clearly. absolutely beautiful. Like, and you can understand why she would be the object of these two men's affections. But at the same time, in this book, they don't make her kind of look 
like no, that guy. They just like, put yeah. her in red clothes. And um... <laughs> they did, that's all they did. They just put her in red things. And it's a really there's a really odd kind of um, bit where there's a bit where they actually hint at the kind of power of the phoenix, where they talk about her not having enough control over mm. her powers, kind of thing. You're like, Ooh, okay. But then there's another bit where she talks about oh, I'm not nearly powerful enough for Cerebro, or whatever that, and it's just like, well, no, because Jean Grey's actually meant to be kind of... She's more powerful. more powerful. She's, she's the most powerful. Like breadcrumbs. Yeah. That seemed like breadcrumbs for, like, future installments. Yeah. Like, yeah. But so, now it all gets really confusing, because now they've done this weird kind of thing, where all of these X-Men movies, the prequel ones, and this are all set in the same universe, but now they're doing Dark Phoenix in the earlier films, but they also did it in the later films. Yeah. Like, it, it literally are trying to work out the knots of X-Men movie Don't continuity bother. Like, now. seriously, is, because if you think X-Men Origin Wolverine, you had a young um, Scott Summers um, who's trying to escape that internment camp with um, a... This is 1985, I think that's it, with a young um, diamond lady, what's her face? What's her name? Played by January Jones. Oh, in yeah, the thing. yeah, yeah. Oh, who um, then Emma, plays an old, the Emma, old, Emma Frost. Yeah, yeah, who then plays an older version of that in the 1964 set one in First Class. So you're just like... What am I watching? Is Jessica Chastain playing Emma Frost in the Dark Phoenix? No, or? she's playing some weirdy, beardy alien lady. Oh, right. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I think they've... Have they... Have they um, um, Kenneth Branagh thawed her eyebrows as well? They, are they, they, they bleached? They've bleached her eyebrows, yeah. <laughs> she, she's not quite orange eyebrows from Thor. Like, she hasn't quite got Ginger Thor eyebrows, but yeah, she has been all over bleached. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Ginger <laughs> Thor! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, poor Cyclops. I think he's really done a disservice in this movie god that scene is so embarrassing where he walks in and Wolverine's like oh you gonna tell me to stay away from your girl oh, and he's like no because then she wouldn't be my girl five minutes later he turns around to oh Wolverine stay away from my girl and he says it like it may be a really cool thing to say I'm like no you just discounted everything you've just said weirdo there's like, no like, charisma like, behind the dialogue like he's saying it half joking or something yeah. you know, there's none of that it's just deadpan it's weird oh man but earlier on one of you said something uh, about um, that's not how physics work and for me this is the very best iteration of Mystique <laughs> Because yes. besides the weird thing they're doing with the voice in this film, which they're modulating it, which is odd. They don't do it in any of the other films. Um, she has scenes where she is freaky deaky with regards to her fighting. There's one point where yeah. she walks, she, she basically, uh, she's upside down climbing up chains mm -hmm. to the ceiling. Like literally like physics mm. do not work with this lady. She kind of, she, the way she moves is amazing. Like they actually make her very alien. The way she moves, the way she fights, like she hovers. Mm. Like her, and her kicks are very quick. And like she's very elegant. Like the way mm. she fights and moves is amazing. This is a post Matrix world. Yeah, yes. but it but it's like it just it's like why didn't you keep that? Like she doesn't fight like this in any of the other films. She she actually gets much more kind of uh, more kickboxy. She actually starts getting kind of mixed martial arts. Yeah, yeah. So like she's all legs this, here, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Like she kind of she uses her feet and her legs all the time. But she beating does, up she, the guy in the helicopter with yeah, like yeah, yeah, slapping with him with her, with her feet. But then yeah, she's slapping kind of, him with a wet fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we were saying it's really interesting, like her um. Her makeup in this one, she almost looks like wet to the touch. Moist. She, her mm. skin always looks Clammy. like reptilian. She looks mm. kind of alien. That's kind of a theme here, isn't it? With yeah. the senator getting those With gooey powers. With jellyfish, yeah. Oh, but like, it, I thought like it's just like they they had so many good ideas for her. Yeah. Like that they just didn't carry on with. And the shot of her. Been kicking in slow mo as Wolverine and turning back into her. Yeah, it's great, yeah. like proper trailer moment. Obviously, yeah, yeah, again yeah, with the Matrix yeah. Uh, yeah. connections. I just, there. I think, yeah, she just, she 
she didn't like it was such a shame they didn't take any of those through like especially with like her yeah defying physics powers <laughs> like that would have been really cool if she just like hovers and can climb things and yeah it was a real shame that they didn't keep any of that in the in the other films but there's also the difference um which is very noticeable of her costume in this and the way they film her mm. and how they do it when Jennifer Lawrence is playing oh, her God, yeah. and so, I mean Jennifer Lawrence is not only is her costume far less revealing it's basically think, a wetsuit her one isn't it yeah so it's far far less revealing than this this feels way more super skin tight like she's basically naked yeah, yeah, but so. painted blue um, or they even actually in the later films have got her in an X-Men costume in the in the yeah. later movies. Mm. But in this, not only is she basically naked, but also they re- there's, there's a bit where she flips onto a dumpster and she kind of just presents herself as <laughs> yeah. in, look at my body! <laughs> like, uh, like, yeah, and it's very impressive. <laughs> uh, it, is a, it is that thing. Okay, like, it I feels shall. like the Alice Eve moment in Star Trek Into Darkness, oh my God, yes. where you just go, hey, look at this. I've been working out. Like, uh, And it's just a bit, kind of, oh God, It ling- the camera lingers in a way it just feels uncomfortable now. It's just not the kind of... It's not something that and they not Hugh Jackman now. like you know presenting himself. It's it's a lady basically just covering her hoo ha and her nips, and you're like, yes, <laughs> yeah, 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 all right, yeah, mate. Yeah. Um, and also, this is something I should mention in the sense of the what Rebecca Romaine went through for this movie. Oh God! Because apparently, at the last minute, because obviously the costume that she wears was always going to be quite tough anyway mm. um but apparently the last minute singer completely changed the way her costume was going to be and demanded her to be more painted all over because apparently before a lot of the kind of sections of her body were covered they always like kind of, scales yeah it was they? like the scales so they were kind of stuck on so there wasn't actually paint on her body it was that they were kind of painted oh, kind of thing okay. like you know Whereas this, he was like, oh no, you're going to need to... So she had to spend more time in makeup, like an extra six hours or something oh, per God. day. Um, plus have more kind of her body uh, painted, which in, had her like ingesting paint humes and stuff like that. Oh, God. And she said, um, she said it was absolute living hell, like making the film. Um, so I mean, because she did come back for later movies, didn't she? She yeah. did. She was like, in. She was she in the next that hell again. Because <laughs> she comes back and she's um, as herself, doesn't she? She turns into like a pretty girl at the bar, so she can trick the the, the security guard too. Yeah, and, and so she, yeah. she's herself, she's and then, and then she, she yeah loses three. her powers in it. She loses her power, so yeah, she's she's in that. And isn't then she, she the first cameos two, in first class? She's lying in the bed when it's uh, J Law. And then oh, yeah. she, yeah, yeah, she, she goes, oh, would you prefer me like this? And it's Rebecca Romaine. You're like, yeah! Okay. <laughs> okay. That's my That's I mean, I don't know whether they improved her kind of situation uh, for later films. Well, that's you know. why Alan Cumming didn't return as Nightcrawler for the third one. The amount of uh, because makeup that was, he had that to was have. Many, 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 many more hours in the chair. Because not right. only did he have not... the makeup, but he had to have those scars on him as well so it was like that was that was an even bigger makeup job essentially because yeah the scars had to be put on as well as the the color of his skin and he's only got three fingers so like <laughs> all of that kind of in his tail acting accident <laughs> uh, i mean to be fair i'm very happy that jerry ryan didn't play the role of mystique just for her own benefit yeah. because she went through how playing seven and nine having to be literally 
ditched into that costume. That costume has um, always been like it's always been a mystifying <coughs> feat of engineering to me. Yeah. She, she doesn't How move. Like the like, camel toe at the front. How did they deal with that? It, an issue. It, like, it's some kind of shield that they put in your pants. If we ever interview her, we'll be right. sure to answer that question. Camel toe issues. How? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just like a piece of plastic that they just put in your pants. Oh, like a cup. Yeah, kind oh, of. Cool. Um, but also, like her boobs were mystifying because they just never moved. Like her hair and her tits, they just never, never moved. Didn't matter what she Maybe was doing. Maybe more cups. If she was running, if she was fighting, nothing. Her hair and her tits never moved. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was it was a mystical feat of engineering. Seven of nines. A mystical. <laughs> yes. Mystifying and mesmerising. <laughs> I'm sure you'll agree, <laughs> listeners. Uh, but I, I do. I, I would have felt very sorry for her if she'd gone straight from seven and nine to in the summers recording like the <laughs> X Men movies. Being like, painted uh, blue with scales be, all over her. Yeah, very very hard. Um, so uh, yeah, she talked about mystique. One of the most ridiculous moments in this film, that fucking bit at the end where they're watching TV and suddenly the eyes flash. As if they're mystique, the only yeah. ones who noticed. And like, oh, <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing in terms of like Storm like pauses it on her TiVo or whatever, going, oh, mystique. Like she's been really clever. Like no one else would have caught. Lucky I paused it then. Hey guys, like just like headlines across the world. Yeah. Senator is orange eye freaky alien. Let's yeah. take him down. And the thing is. It's too long as well. Like the eyes are orange for too long. If it was like a split second and she was looking at it on a computer screen and she was like enhance, like then it would have been clever. But because like the eyes are orange for like a full ten seconds, like the whole world's going, that's not really the center. Oh, especially is it? as it, he's coming towards the screen. Yeah, yeah coming towards the camera. Happens. Would nobody it's... have said anything after he arrives on the beach as like a jellyfish, like monster man, jellyfish gill and man, and then steals somebody's hoodie and and clearly pants, like on the beach. Should people be going that looks vaguely like that senator that hates mutants well even yeah. the reporters as they're there as he's walking by mr sarah why have your eyes just turned yellow <laughs> why do you look like a jellyfish no comment huh? <laughs> i was only doing it for the benefit of the x-men who i know are watching at home right this second it just is fucking mad well that I... was classic like sequel bathing in the early days when it's like that's how lazily you do it I guess yeah 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 he, yeah it's, it's not as beautifully subtle as no. it is well he that left, moment feels he left this calling card yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> moment feels like a scene out of the animated series brought to life the way they just all be sitting around watching TV yeah. and go Mystique's yeah. still alive next yeah. week <laughs> yeah because the rest of the film right this film is so subdued in general mm-hmm. like, it is. E- even now it feels quite like the cinematography the acting, everything about it feels like dialed down. The and that, score, yeah, oh, holy the score, shit, God, it's Michael so Kamen score, which was a last-minute thing anyway, because originally it was meant to be John, John Williams. John uh, Williams, John Williams originally, um, he couldn't do it because scheduling. John Ottman, who's the regular uh, composer for Brian Singer, he was going to do it, couldn't do it. Scheduling. And he went on to direct uh, Urban Legends Two. <laughs> Final Cut. That was why he didn't score or edit this film. Directed it? Yep. Directed it. I, I assumed... I was just... Really, I assumed he composed the score. No, nope, no. Nope. Directed <laughs> it. Uh, we need... <laughs> you know we need for Urban Legend 2? Composer John R. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. That's really mm-hmm. fuck it. That's a crazy one. Urban Legend 2, The Final Cut? Yeah, that's the one. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the guy with the Parker. 
Right. What? Yes, it's that, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the. That's the that I've never seen these films. No, Urban Legends. That's, that's, no, no, that's, that's, I know what you did last summer. I know what you did last summer. Oh. Um, oh, the figured Urban Legend, which was one of the the, the lesser ran kind of spate of slasher movies after Scream, was it was a bloke and a Parker. It was Liam Gallagher. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like from the Mighty Boosh, that look into the Parker. Like, did, did you guys watch that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like, look deep into the Parker. Yeah, <laughs> it was that guy. Uh, yes, it was Michael Caine who did the score. So it was quite last minute that he did it anyway. And then apparently, because I actually read your review on Letterboxd where you talk about the score, which I completely agree with. It says there's not one memorable theme or no. anything in this movie. Apparently there were themes he had oh. written stuff like that because Michael Caine is not a bad composer. No. Um, but apparently at the last minute, Lawrence Shudder demanded he rewrite the score completely without any themes because. Yeesh. And I think again, it's a thing of it, them wanting it to be more dialed down. She wanted more kind of electronica score, yeah. kind of, and that's kind of what it is. It's very, it's very kind of under the level. It's just mood kind yeah. of like that's all it is, and. I don't think she wanted the kind of big themes of something like the Batman movies, Danny Elfman. Or Superman. Or Superman. Um, They wanted something that was kind of almost not going to get noticed. Um, And it doesn't work, unfortunately. Uh, You know, people talk about the MCU films kind of not having great scores, but fucking hell, this. Well, up until John Upman returned for Days of Future Past, every single X-Men film and X-Men spin-off had a different composer. So you had you had Cayman, then you had John Ottman with the do 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 Yeah, so you had his X-Men thing, which was a thing. Then you had in is it John I wanna say Murphy? Oh for the job third... twenty eight days later guy. Yes, for is that the right guy? Who had who did um the, the third one, which has an incredible epic uh, score for for the Dark Phoenix. It's way better than the film itself. That score, it's incredible. Hmm. Then you've got you've um, whoever it was that did um, the Wolverine. Oh, sorry, uh, X Men Origins Wolverine was different. Uh, the Wolverine different. Uh, First Class was a different guy again. And the only thing I can really remember of that is the uh, dun 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 stuff for for Magneto, which is like oh they gave Magneto a theme. They didn't really. They gave him a mood, but it's still <laughs> really good. It works. And then suddenly Days of Future Past, they bring back that rousing X two theme, and it's like fuck yes, finally. Where have you been for all these years? It's mad. See, I can't remember any of these things. The when it comes to the X Men, the only music that matters is da 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 And I swear, I swear, when I saw this in the cinema, that they used that theme in this at one point. But I think it's a key thing this time because when this film ends, the key it moves into just as it reaches the credits. I was paused it last night at the point. And it goes, da, 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 and it builds to it. And then I paused it and went, like, while I was watching it, because that's exactly what it sounds like it's going to come into. Yeah. And you, I remember you get the yeah, build up with thought. no payoff. The it's build like... up with no payoff, which is a lot of what this film is. <laughs> it's actually, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's just so weird because I swear I remember it being in there at some point, and it would have made it's just sense. Just your brain Mandela effect at the end and going. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it would have made sense because it's <laughs> made by Fox, so presumably they would have they been able to it. use it. Of course they could, uh, it's yeah. just yeah, or, or you know, done a like just now. Obviously, Spider-Man: Far From Home is coming out soon, yeah. and or in the trailer for that, they're doing a kind of big orchestral oh, version God, of Spider-Man, like Spider-Man, like uh, which I really like. Uh, but they could have done that for yeah. this they could have taken that theme and done a massive it's movie budget version of it they could have had Will Smith <laughs> rapping over that X thing <laughs> over the credits because <laughs> no, then he would have wanted Wolverine. to be in it yeah exactly. yeah, yeah yeah that's that's the, that's the who problem. would you cast Will Smith as in the X-Men universe <sighs> any character the bl- you know colourblind casting you know yeah, I was about to say sex, sex, black sex blind casting, like anybody. sex blind, gender mm. blind casting. That's it's, a very, the one I mean. it's a very good question. Bishop. <laughs> but he'd be like a oh hell no, Bishop, wouldn't he? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it could work probably. Same as Cable. Oh. Give him like got gruff him up. Yeah. yeah. Like After Earth kind of version of you know. <laughs> no one wants After no. Earth Smith. <laughs> I reckon he could uh, he could Magneto it. I think. Like a few years from now, in like Slip serious it. mode. Because the, well, this is part of the issue that they're now considering with, with future versions of Magneto. Yeah. Like, well, we can't say he's a, he's like, you know, a um, Holocaust survivor. What will we say? Well, you know, we'll have him as somebody who has maybe survived the Korean War or mm-hmm. has survived Vietnam. Or like, how would you do it? And it's like, yeah, totally. Somebody like Will Smith, you know, um, I think you could... I think you could... I think there's so many characters though. X Men has so many characters in but it. You know like, they'll just, just... regurgitate. We're never going to not have Wolverine. I know, but I just, I just feel like you know, pull someone out that nobody knows about. Pull out like a, a really obscure character because they tried doing that, didn't they? With with the um, apocalypse. Negasonic teenage. Negasonic teenage warhead. Negasonic teenage warhead is an amazing example of a character who is a. She's just fantastic, and I'm so glad they just went that one. <laughs> like we want that one, please. Can we have the foul mouth, you know, gay one? <laughs> um, who's really surly? Yeah, that one. Thank you. Um, but yeah, like um, with. Uh, what was the one with the big uh, purple apocalypse? Apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big purple. <laughs> I wondered where you were going with that. <laughs> the big purple apocalypse. Um, but yeah, his like little crew were, oh, you know, they they were supposed to be sort of more. Well, you ended up with Storm and Angel, yeah. which were kind of, yeah meant that we got the the Archangel thing. Yeah. And who else was in that crew? Cyclo and Ringo. No. <laughs> okay. so, who did, no? But who were the other two? Okay, this film is only. Th- it's, years, three it's, years old. It's Cyclo, isn't it? Or is that how you pronounce her name? Oh, uh, Psylocke. Psylocke. Yeah, Psylocke. Psylocke. Yeah, 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 Psylocke. Not on film. Because she demanded... Not as a human woman. <laughs> the girl who played her in that film, she Olivia demanded... Mann. Yeah, she demanded the original outfit. Quite right. Which too. is about as revealing as um, that lady's in Watchmen was. 
Yes. Every time she high kicked, it was, it was, you know. Splitting her difference. Yeah. Um, it was touch and go whether we'd see what she had for breakfast. It was one of those. It's just basically a leotard. Look, like, I support panel for panel <laughs> adaptations. But she's a very big fan of Psylocke. She always has been. She read the comic books. She was a very big Psylocke fan. So and she's she not in like, the new film, so. No. But she demanded yeah. that she have the original costume. So there you go. That's a little factoid for you. Yeah. Well, actually. Funnily enough, this kind of brings us on to a subject because she's probably not in the new film because Olivia Munn was one of the people who kind of voiced um, something in the Me Too movement, wasn't mm-hmm. she? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, if we look at the history of the X-Men films, uh, they've kind of got a history of protecting abusers uh, throughout. Unfortunately um, so. Obviously, we've got Brian Singer. Uh, TJ Miller, Brett Ratner. Yeah. There's a lot of them in there and it kind of seems that they, they've all been able to kind of keep working oh. within the franchise. I mean, Brett Ratner apparently was one of the people who could have potentially directed the original X-Men. Um, but then... I assume he's a job for hire director. He's mm. not somebody who has his own vision. He'll come in yeah. and just work off of a script. That's he was there. definitely up for something recently and then it all kicked off again and then he wasn't chosen or backed Red, off it's no like, it's not Red Sony that's Brian Singer that's yeah. Singer uh, funny enough actually um, in research for this episode I looked into the whole kind of Brian Singer thing because of the fact that I knew that he was meant to be directing uh, Red Sonja and for Millennium Films and that they kind of actually defended hiring him uh, they're dodgy ass. yeah so it seemed that thing of going oh okay well I guess you know, even after Me Too, like, it's all just still going on. People are still of working. Course. But apparently, uh, as of February 11th, uh, Millennium Films has stated that Red Sonja uh, is no longer on their slate of films. Uh, Good. Even though so they had previously uh, defended the hiring decision. Yeah. Uh, but now they've obviously bowed to pressure. It's not happening. So I think from that, we can probably say that Singer's career is at this point probably dead in the you water. Never, you mean he's never going to make his Logan's Run film where they kill anybody mm. off over the age of 30? <laughs> <laughs> in his mind, it's any boy over the age of 20. <laughs> yeah, he's like, that's my reimagining. Well, <laughs> I'm pretty sure originally he was just going to direct Dark Phoenix. And yeah. then once suddenly it was Simon Kimberg and said, who's been the yeah, writer. Yeah, because he's pure, like, I'll step in and finish this. Yeah, completely, he? completely. He's been the writer of a lot of X-Men films um, for a long time, hasn't he? You have like, a hand in the new Stars as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's yeah. a sort of go-to guy now. And now it's going to be his directorial debut. Um, and that's, that's interesting that he's kind of stepped Ooh, back. Actually, so yeah. well, there's one bit of trivia from the time. Yeah, that says uh, Brian Singer read gossip sites during filming of X-Men to see what rumours were circling about the movie. And one day he read that he'd been fired. He called the execs in a panic, but it wasn't true. But it would come true, Brian. Yeah. Years later it would. (laughs) On Bohemian Rhapsody, where he was fired, weirdly not to do with any allegations to with him. But because apparently he was just shit his job. He yeah. just wasn't turning up. Yeah, he left the set on for a set. long of time. And, yeah. and this is a weird thing because we interviewed Conrad Coates, who was an actor in X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, he said like the only time he saw Brian Singer on set was like the first day. Um, where he came out and kind of you know did a big speech to the crew and then that was it never saw him again. Yikes. You worked on Jack the Giant Killer, mm-hmm. didn't you? And I think that Same was thing. a kind of thing of he was just hiding in a his trailer. His with... like tent was like on the top of a hill and you could just kind of see it with binoculars and all the crew around here would be like yeah yeah he's just up there 
masturbating furiously. Yeah, yeah. with his harem. Um, <laughs> but I think I saw him pop down at one Young point man. to chat to, <laughs> oh, chat to old Ian McShane, who was, who was on it. And I think that was the only time I saw him. But I was only on it for a day. But it's that thing of, yeah, he seems like not only has he had allegations of abuse stretching back to 1997, so before this film even, at Pupil, Mm -hmm. a 14-year-old extra accused him of asking him and other minors to film a shower scene in nude for the film. Um, Not not used in the film. Mm. It's just like... Mr. Singer, why are you using your private camcorder for this <laughs> part of the film? Um, and that's that's before this movie even came out. And then, kind of, you flash forward once we hit 2014, there's kind of new allegations, like, every year, pretty much, of people coming out and filing um, various different suits uh, for sexual assault uh, against him. And this has kind of just kept on going. There's been lawsuit after lawsuit there's new allegations this year even um yeah so this is not going away um well hopefully not because hopefully it will stop people actually hiring him like i just i don't understand how you know this wouldn't happen in any other industry in the world like you couldn't you couldn't be like a serial um, abuser of young boys of, of anyone do you know Allegedly. what I mean you couldn't be a serial abuser of anybody and anyone else saying oh well but give him a chance do you know what mm. I mean he it, makes it us money so yeah, carry on it wouldn't happen anywhere else in, in the world any industry any other industry would just say no um, but for some reason like film directors just get a pass <laughs> I just I don't understand why so hopefully if all this stuff does come out and these poor boys and men that he has abused you know it, this is for them it's so it's so that it doesn't happen again and it's just like please stop letting this happen just stop letting mm. this happen it's so negligible I mean it's as we were talking about before, it does appear just to be an open secret, basically. No. Yeah. Like people seem to be perfectly aware of it. Literally the name of the documentary that I mentioned earlier yeah. to you guys off, off camera. That's the wrong word. They're off microphone. Mic. <laughs> um, an open secret. I think it's available on Vimeo and it's about um, the paedophilia that's rife within Hollywood. And it never got distribution, funnily enough, as a, as a film. It's the same director who did Maximia Culpa about paedophilia in the Catholic Church. Right. Uh, she, she's a barrel of laughs, this lady. Um, <laughs> and yeah, no, it's it's, it's an incredible documentary. And it, uh, Brian Singer is a bit player in it. Like, you know, these these pool parties with these with these young guys and the money he invested into like early dot-com era um, web series, this teen dramas with these, with these young boys all living together. It's like, okay... I said negligible. I'm neg- neg- negligent. Just want to okay. do an addendum. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's frightening as well because he, much like Kevin Spacey... Um, you mean Usual Suspects, Kevin Spacey? Yeah, Usual Suspects, <laughs> Kevin Spacey. <laughs> I mean, I bet they had fun together. Um, Try to label uh, the journalists and the kind of lawyers who went after him as homophobic. <laughs> uh, I because mean, obviously Brian Singer for a long time was one of the few openly mm. gay directors in Hollywood. Well, them trying um, to pin all their behaviour on being gay is just so insulting. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing that's disgusting about this is obviously that's something that you know you used to be kind of a misconception by uh, horrendous homophobes that kind of uh, being homosexual and being a paedophile was one and the same. And for them to kind of turn that round when they're meant to be mm. kind of advocates as their defense for their shitty like, behavior, yeah, is is horrific. Uh, it's so so self-serving. Um, 
but yeah, what I was just going, what we should touch on is kind of the difficulty of watching films made by or starring um, people who have been accused of or have been proven guilty um, of sexual assault and these kind of crimes because now you know, a day doesn't really go by without a new kind of discovery of someone's been at something like this. And so, you know, we're having to re-examine how we treat our art that already exists Mm. and kind of going forward. And my kind of opinion was something like this film is that something like X-Men is way, way bigger than just one person. So it's kind of, you know, or well, or multiple people in the uh, X-Men franchise, unfortunately. Mm. But in the sense of it's such a huge production, it's not like it's one man's vision or anything like that. And should we This discount... isn't a Woody Allen film. No, exactly. And I think there is a difference in terms of Woody Allen film is a Woody Allen film. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, again, you could still argue hundreds of people involved in the making of the film. Sure, of course. And, you know, should we discount all of their work? Mm. But I think certainly with saying this is like on another level in terms of X-Men is like this long-lasting, decades-old kind of franchise and creation. Mm. Like, it doesn't feel right to kind of just push It's this tough, isn't it? Because of the way he came back for Days of Future Past and Apocalypse. It's like, yeah. if he had just been the author at the beginning and kick-started this franchise which grew out of its abuser history, which the first three all is, mm. uh, it could have been separated into eras, but with him coming back and continued... His fingerprints are all over Yeah, the but then it's like, you know, it is a big... It's grubby, enter- yeah, it's a big... soiled <laughs> fingerprints. <laughs> yes. yeah. It is this big blockbuster property with lots of, uh, you know, IP involved. I think that's where it gets a bit tricky as well. Like you say, Woody Allen, it's Woody Allen film. Mm. He rarely, if ever, does adaptations yeah. of anything, right? So I had somebody ask me the other week, actually, about it. So, oh, well, you know, the other year you did a Charlie Chaplin and an Alfred Hitchcock season of films. Why does that make it better? And I had to really pause for a second. And the only answer I could really have is, they're dead. Like, that is, like there is a distance of yeah. both time mm. and They can't mortality. get any more jobs. Yeah, yeah they yeah, can't yeah. get they're any not, more jobs. They're not earning They can't anymore. get to yeah. anybody. They're not profiting. No. Off it. Um, I think, you know, it, it's this is a subject that we discuss a lot on our show because we do sometimes end up watching films that are made by problematic people or star problematic actors in or them. Or like problematic subject matter. Yeah. I, I refuse point blank to watch any, any Johnny Depp movies anymore. Okay. Um, if, you know, we had to do Cry Baby for the podcast and that was the last Johnny Depp film I watched. And it I made you a cry baby. It did make me a cry baby <laughs> because he was so young. Mm. I kind of, it was like, do you know what? Mm. At this point, he was Separation, such a young man. Yeah. So it was like, you know, the, the things that he would go on to do in the future, I can't really hold against him in this mm. film. <laughs> That's um, like murdering baby Hitler, right? But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there you so, go. That's the perfect analogy. If um, murdering baby Hitler is watching an old film. Yeah, <laughs> watching an old Johnny Depp movie. Um, but it. yeah, it's it is a very tricky subject. Separating art from artist is an incredibly difficult thing, and some people just can't do it, or yeah. some people don't want to do it. Um, you know, I have friends that still quite happily listen to Michael Jackson all the time. I, I thought have... you were about to say Lost Prophets. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have anybody who listens to Lost Prophets. But I have, you know, I have friends who really love Woody Allen movies. And, you know, mm. they know about how problematic he is, but they're just like, oh, but he's he's a genius. And, you know, it, it is this it's kind of... Roman Polanski thing all over yeah, again, isn't it? Yeah, watching Roman Polanski movies. Mm. Um, you know, people who think Julian Assange is a, is a freedom fighter. <laughs> like, it just, it, it's just like, I think some people just find it really, really difficult to, to separate the art from the artist. And I'm kind of of the opinion that 
at this point in his career, people didn't really know about him. Brian Singer, sorry. Mm. So as as this first film came out, people didn't really know about him. And as even as it was an open secret, it was, you know, way before we, we were looking at Me Too. Yes, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. It, like it's only been after the like the past couple of years that people are starting to to take art like this and and separate them mm. out from you know the people who make them the people who direct them the people who act in them you know and and them as people as well as actors mm. or, or filmmakers and all this kind of stuff so this is a very new concept that we would look at art and and think of it as you know the product of an abuser or, or, you know, like James Brown was a shithead. Mm. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, but he's still one of the biggest selling recording artists of all time. Mm. Uh, Didn't he's... hear about the shithead part in his biopic. <laughs> no, uh, well, he, he was still was beating on his wife. Much. Do you know what I mean? He was still smacking his wife around. Mm. So... Thank God Gary Glitter made shit music. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, because, yeah, it was always kind of thought that the, the art was worth more than the man's actions. Yeah. Well, that's and... the tricky element isn't it yeah if the art's good like you say if gary glitter had made good music but when it's bad it's like yeah i can happily never listen to this yeah, yeah. when it's stuff that's like as iconic as michael jackson it's like hmm. well jimmy savile is kind of perfect <laughs> isn't he? It's like, if you want someone to be a pedo let it be jimble because yeah. you're never gonna fucking watch an episode jimble fix it just like you? burning your like, dvd <laughs> set like, yeah. like, no. but Actually, i think it does come down to when someone's dead and yeah. at what point like they're dead versus you watching stuff versus what they're up to when they were making the stuff. There's yeah. so many circling elements. Yeah. I, I have a story about Jimmy Savile actually, not uh, not a story oh about God. Jimmy Savile. Holy shit. Um, but my friend was training as a tattoo artist uh, in a tattoo store in Harlow. And a guy came in to the, to the shop and he was like, look, mate, I'm going to show you a tattoo. I want to talk about cover-ups. He said, I don't want you laughing. I don't want any jokes. <laughs> He said, I just want to show you my tattoo and you can tell me what the options are for covering this up. And he was like, all right. And he rolled up his sleeve and he had a full forearm, full colour portrait of Jimmy Savile on his arm. So, well, what do you do? Just cut my arm just, just, off. Yeah. <laughs> Take the arm. Just, there's no time. Set fire to it. Just set fire to it. Set fire to it. He literally, and he had obviously spent a lot of money oh, like on this beautiful portrait of... A beautiful portrait well, Beautifully done Savile. portrait of Jimmy Savile. What, what can like, you turn Jimmy Savile into with... The, the devil. <laughs> stick some sunglasses and a goatee on him. Like. Um, but yeah, it's like, but yeah, again, it's like, it's people operating in an open and very direct way and saying, this is who I am. And unfortunately, it's not until these people pass that we're going to find out, you know, mm. we're going to open all their, all their closets and the skeletons are all going to fall out. Like, so yeah, this poor guy, like maybe he'd been on Jim will fix it. Maybe he'd been in like part of a charity. Maybe oh, he'd done. Maybe Jim really fixed it. Maybe Jim fixed it Working with, with Brian Singer on three occasions and then having to be on Lord of the Rings working with the like crazy Islamophobe that is um, Gimli son of Gloin yes like yes. you know getting yeah. it in both ears <laughs> who's that? Um, the guy John Reese Davis. Davis. He's yeah, he's a horrific Islamophobe. But is that a recent thing, or do you think he's always? It's it's in the last. It's it's post nine eleven. So oh, I'm sure he wasn't getting it on set of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But that's one thing I will say to kind of come back a little bit onto the X Men thing is this is a pre nine eleven yeah blockbuster slash comic book like this 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 is one of the one that kind of this ignite that lit the fuse for this, mm. and we very much see with X two this post 9-11 world of the fact that there's very discussions about Nightcrawler as a character 
uh, you in know, the White House, the, the very the militaristic the whole thing with Stryker, and you know, well, you know, we're doing this for the for the the wrong th- the right wrong thing for the right reasons, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For the, for the good of the country. This is yeah, and that, that's the one noticeable thing I really struck me like, like watching, you know, Wolverine flip around the thing on the Statue of Liberty, <laughs> and then in the background <laughs> so with all the fireworks going off, went, oh, it's the Twin Towers. Yeah. And it just kind of hit me. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? I guess it's the maybe exists in a vacuum. As you say, it's it's post the 97 collapse and it's pre the 2001 way everything changed there. So mm. it could be the only one that exists in this exact time period, uh, which affected how much it came across. Absolutely. Because then by the time you got Spider Man, like the first Spider-Man as in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man where they even got to the point where they shoehorned in like you know the New Yorkers throw pelting stuff at the Green Goblin and you mess with one of us you mess with all of us as a response yeah. to 9-11 well you had that Two Towers teaser trailer yes incredible, incredible. Yeah. 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 I was yeah. I was literally a projection at cinema trailing that with films and then like it must have been like the, the 12th or something um, and when they, we basically got like, you know, we, we heard from the studio from Sony, you need to just, it was actually hard. Uh, it was like hard trailed. It was actually attached to prints. Mm. So we had to cut it out of the prints. They then made us like, we had to number them. We had to then send them, post them back to them to destroy. Whereas normally with trailers, you just throw them in a bin and that's it. That was how you dealt with 35 mil trailers. But with that film, it's just like, no, you need to send them back to us. We need to destroy that these are there. Nobody needs to know these ever existed. Wow. Mm. Um, and even if you go on YouTube, I think you can, you can find it. It's available. But it is like the worst fucking it. copy of it. Yeah. Nobody's ever like gone, well, Did- actually, you know, with distance and time, and you know, we've thought to release it. It's never happened. I guess it was never digitized, put on as a bonus feature. No, you know. not at all. Such a bizarre thing, because now you would think, just release a Blu-ray with it on it. Well, that whole thing of them you... wanting to change the, the Lord of the Rings two towers because it was disrespectful. Oh, right? oh, yeah, do you remember? God. Do you remember that argument back in yeah, the day? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah when the book's ludicrous. title is and has always been that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you're just like, but you're not going to go back to old films and digitally remove the old James. And it's not called the Twin Towers, is it? Well, they did. There were films coming out around that time that they did. They digitally removed like that Spider-Man film. They digitally removed the the Twin Towers from from that. Yeah. Throughout. That's a weird kind of knee-jerk reaction, isn't it? Because now, looking back, obviously, if it had stayed in, it's a sign of the times. Yeah. It's yeah. a 2002 yeah, yeah, yeah. film made when they were still up. It's a weird piece of history. They had to rewrite mm-hmm. the final act of Men in Black 2. Yeah. Because yeah, it was yeah, all yeah. set in, yeah. in the... Well, isn't it a crazy coincidence that I guess that Spider-Man trailer was a, like a specifically a trailer scene? Like, if mm. that had just been in the movie... yeah. They probably would have pulled would the have, movie. They would have had a bit more well, trouble. You'd, yeah, you'd have, you'd have dropped a good fight because that was a long trailer. It was like six or seven minutes long. It was like a like a mini movie. Mm-hmm. It was a wonderful little self contained thing that used um, "I Want to Leave You Far Behind." That was from The Matrix. <laughs> I wanna take you on a roller coaster. <laughs> that is it. It was just I just remember it being like the coolest thing. <laughs> it wasn't. If a hero could oh, save yeah. us, <laughs> well, that's again. That's a sign of of Sony uh, attached to Spider Man. Whereas like X Men, yeah, they didn't have a Will Smith song. It didn't have any song. <laughs> yeah, where yeah. it did, you could you'd hear like you know in the same way it would have been as you know weird as hearing a I don't know Rihanna sing on Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> but like you could have totally had a two thousand era anybody do something over this, and they just went. Nah. And by the time we get to uh, X Men: Colon First Class, you've got take that. 
singing the song at the end of the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, first class. Take that and Matthew Vaughan. Yeah, because like they, they did. I know that they did. I love you how you just did a scissoring motion. Yeah, 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 that. Yeah, yeah. One that he did before. They did rule the world for Stardust. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then they did whatever the one was for first class. So, yeah. <laughs> so for some reason they're they're tight. I don't know. Take that. Can you imagine how incongruous that is in America, where take that one nothing? Like, what, what <laughs> so is are we thinking because Matthew Vaughan just produced Rocket Man, the Elton John biopic? Are we thinking take that biopic directed by Vaughan? <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, to be fair, I'd fucking watch that shit. Yeah, yeah, sure. well, like, think about uh, it. I think that'd be a good movie. Has there not really been proper musical biopics about? Boy bands in no, that sense, not really. but like not that Jersey era. Boys, but no, that era, no, absolutely not. Yeah. But then, like, I'd think like your director, your director DVD, um, Hard Man Essex Boys type version would be the E17 one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The E17 oh, story. Right. Okay. Let's wrap up, Let's wrap up because we? we've all got to go and watch seven Sylvester Stallone films. Uh, the Prince Charles. I wish we were joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk final verdicts and scores on the doors. Uh, Daryl. Look, I'm as much as I probably shit on this in, in pieces. I'm going to give this a four. Uh, we are doing this out of five, right, guys? Yeah, we'll do. We'll do letterbox like five star sure, cool. kind of yeah, ratings no, I, kind I, of I, thing. I, I, you can use half stars on this podcast if you want. <laughs> we live in your third Reich. Of, uh, only half hey, stars. Ben, ben uses half stars. Yeah, That's fine. Exactly, we we yeah. just we, we choose not the to split. Oh, I can hear your scowl on your no, face every time he does. Oh, I'm livid. <laughs> I'm livid that he decided to go back on our, our firmly made rules about half stars. This is very much yeah, like as Superman was the dawn of okay, some shit eighties superhero. You films. leave him alone. Um, no, but it was a great film. Those first two were yeah, great, were. but then we had two crap Superman sequels Fair beyond enough. that. Then we had Supergirl. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh God. Uh, Swamp Thing isn't great. So like, yeah, the eighties, yeah, weren't kind. And then we had eighty-nine Batman, brilliant, boom. And then the second one's great, and the third one's shit, and the fourth one's shit. And you had Steel, and you had Spawn, and you had like, uh, 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 but Blade, yes. which arose in between the thorns. And then yeah, then you had this, and this is yeah, as I said earlier, it's a starting pistol to to everything we have now, for better or for worse. And I think this this contains a little bit of all of that. And considering again, like they. They they did they cut this off at the knees with regards to the screenplay and the the, the budget and like Brian Singer working with what he got um, a bunch of unknowns really kind of actor wise oh, yeah this is this is a little slice of magic right here I'm very surprised looking back at it that we got the film that we did mm. so yeah for me a four you know what I'm gonna go the same I say it scrapes a four star for me as well I mean even though I think. It has slightly dated in terms of you watch it and you compare it to what we're getting today. Uh, superhero movies, it's undoubtedly not quite... It, it, it's not even that I say it's not the same standard, I just say it's different. Mm. Um, it's a completely different kind of film. It's far smaller uh, in scale in a lot of ways because, like you say, it feels like an amazing pilot for a TV series mm. um, rather than a kind of standalone movie. But... For what it had to do at that time, for me, I, I can't give it any less than four because as a comic book fan, this basically saved the comic book movie, that saved the superhero movie, certainly. We don't get the MCU without this film. It's no, as simple as not. that. And they did a really good job of just dialing it back, going, look, take superheroes seriously. 
And they they pull it off. It's still even now. You watch it, and it, apart from the odd moment, it doesn't seem overly campy even now. Mm. Like it seems pretty straight. And it was like it's Kevin successful. Feige at like twenty four or whatever he was was working as an like you know was working on this film. Yeah. So like yeah, with again, we would we would definitely not have the MCU if it wasn't for this film. For sure. And they get so much right for Hugh Jackman as Wolverine for the birth of the McKellen. Peace to you, bromance. <laughs> it's it's got to be four star, Matt. Uh, yeah, I'm going slightly lower, three point five, but it's basically a four. Like for everything it does right, it does very much right, but it feels Why like don't you just a... give it a four. No, three point five. I can't. I can't in my right mind give this a four with everything that's come since in my, in my sense. So as a film, as a film, it's three point five. Influence wise, four. Um, and it's interesting that the first kind of big superhero film of this century is a team movie and now we've just kind of culminated that entire idea with what a team superhero film can be with Endgame and they could not be two more different films in both execution and intent but it's an interesting place to start and yeah everything I think the McKellen uh, Stewart interactions are like the key to this whole franchise almost kind of secretly so like I think they pin Wolverine as like the lead through most of this whole uh, series but it's really down to these two and that's always been the most well written and executed sort of meat meat to this this story, um, and for all its kind of cheap looking sets and dodgy FX, like it does stand up, and it's just interesting to see a film um, spend you know not be as into giving you action wall to wall and kind of explore these characters and remind you what it is a film could look and be like in this year with you know I I miss kind of moody lighting and and all these kind of visual cues that we just don't really get anymore in this kind of era when films can be churned out in a kind of uh, standard way yeah so you know the the shots in this that really made me go like geez nothing looks like this now and it's a shame so yeah mixed bag but it could have been a lot worse um it's it's very tricky because of my personal feelings about half stars. <laughs> so uh, high three, low four. Um, so so three point five. <laughs> yeah, but I can't do that because it's. But like, I do like high three, low four. So yeah. yeah, I think I think it's you know it it is somewhere in the middle because yeah it's not you know it's not perfect like it's not no. perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it was something new. It was something different. It was something fresh. It was something that we were really excited about. For for 18-year-old me, I was dying to see this. It was something, you know, that, you know, we'd all seen the cartoon. We'd all read some of the comics. It was, it was exciting. We wanted to see Professor X. We wanted to see Wolverine. You know, these were people that we were really excited to see. And, you know, I do think it did it really, really well. Um, I was looking at things like the color palette and the the way it's shot and all of that stuff mm. and it's so it's even more muted than the MCU. Like it's so like because the MCU like apart from your Thor's and your but um, you can actually see some true blacks in this film. Yes, like it's not it's not grey, but it's like it's yeah. really brought down to almost like a noirish level. Mm. It's mm. like it's really stripped back. Um, and yeah, like I, I kind of really enjoyed rewatching it and kind of noticing the slower pace and the smaller scale fights 
and the you know the the smaller scale gore and like the stuff that we just don't do anymore like it's all done to excess it's all mm. done to massive scales every fight is an epic every 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 fight is a battle um whereas these are just like little punch ups but with mutants and i kind well, of this really film is not even that. a fate of the world thing is no. it it's like a, we're going to mutate all the world leaders not yeah. we're going to mutate yeah, the whole world yeah the stakes world. are much much lower um and i just think it does like it's a really lovely way of introducing this universe the x-men universe to everybody and saying like it's really about these two dudes it's really about magneto and professor x doesn't it ever wake you in the middle of the night the feeling that someday they will pass that foolish law or one just like it and come for you and your children it does indeed What do you do when you wake up to that? I feel a great swell of pity for the poor soul who comes to that school looking for trouble. Um, and just this is their legacy. Do you know what I mean? This is what they're gonna they're gonna fight to to leave behind them. Um, so yeah, I I do dig it. I really do dig it. But yeah, looking back on it, it's it's no, it's nowhere near perfect, but it's a fantastic entry point for anybody for the superhero universe. I think. And for the MCU as a whole. Awesome. Okay, Daryl Jeanette, where can we find you online and Sun Double Deep, your podcast online? Okay, you can find Sun Double Deep basically on all good podcatchers. <laughs> anyway, um, you find podcasts. We're on uh, Instagram and Twitter and occasionally on Facebook. As S- Sudden, Sudden Double Deep. Yeah, SDD Film Podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, you can stuff. find me on Twitter as uh, at Miss J Soundtrack. Um, and you can also find Daryl lurking about on Twitter. He is at SDD Film Podcast uh, yeah. on Twitter. And you can well. find me on Letterboxd as Hot Donkey Bear. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> what is that name origin is for a completely different podcast. <laughs> you can also find us on Letterboxd, but I haven't got our Letterboxd handles. Uh, uh, shit. But, Liam yeah, Dempsey, yeah. Matt so, Brothers. Liam Dempsey and Matt Hit Brothers. Liam H. Dempsey, Matt Brothers, you'll, you'll find us. Do you us. put links in your um, show notes? Uh, well, maybe we should. Maybe you should. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find us at Spotlight Pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can email us at spotlightpod at gmail.com. Um, if you would like to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, it would be hugely appreciated. Uh, it's just really nice to read your reviews, to be honest, and apparently it does help um, with <laughs> some thing. People they are the lifeblood of the podcasting yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. You know, I've got no, I've got no evidence of this, people. Like, you know, you know, we, but like, we it, want to keep our that, place but, in the Irish iTunes charts. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> That's, that's, that's the thing. It's, to me, it's just more of an interest of reading people's reviews. It is the, really uh, nice. But to only, get I don't want to read your five star reviews, they bitches. <laughs> right, only praise. Okay. We're not equipped to handle rejection. <laughs> yeah. You're too fragile. Um, right. It's been great. We will be returning to the X Men franchise again because obviously Patrick Stewart stars in a lot of these movies and there may be some other Star Trek connections along the way. So at some point, we will move on to cover X2, colon, X-Men, United, (laughs) at some point. But until then, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And and me, yeah. Excellent, okay. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Scene.